What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. And welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring. Stardom, I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined as ever by Matt Turner. Matt Turner, you survived Madam Webster. Yeah, I did. I did. And I guess we may as well get into it. We'll get into my Madam Web uh, movie review for those of you who didn't listen to the podcast last week. First of all, shame on you. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, uh, this past Monday was um, me and my wife went to the movies to go see Madam Web. We did dinner in, a, dinner in a movie. It was our Valentine's Day. So we went to go see Madam Web. I'll give you a quick movie review. First of all, I'm really glad that it got the reviews that it did going into the movie because my expectations were really, really low. So the bar was really low. Rob, if I'm going to give this a letter grade, as you are a teacher, I'd give this a C plus. It really wasn't as bad as everyone made it out to be, in my opinion. Um, It was a little bit too long, maybe 20 minutes too long. If I'm going to compare it to a wrestling match, Rob, there was a lot of headlocks, Hammer locks, wrist lock, back to the hammer lock, back to the headlock, another headlock <laughs> to the wrist lock. Where I was like, okay, we've seen it. Maybe an attempted drop kick every now and again. Once the movie picked up towards the end, I thought it got really good. And the ending leads a lot for the future. Now, is this movie going to have a sequel? Probably not because of what we have to see what the box office is. But I'm intrigued to see if they do like a Disney Plus series or a Netflix series off this because it leaves a lot for the future of what's going to go on with the Madam Web series. Now, I'm going to end it at this, my friend. And not only did I enjoy it, again, a C plus, my wife enjoyed it as well. Even she said, you know, I don't know why it got such bad reviews. I pretty much enjoyed that. Like it wasn't Infinity War. It wasn't Endgame. It wasn't Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Ha <laughs> ha, Rob. It wasn't as good as that one. <laughs> there you go. But if you're saying, Matt, sell me on this movie. Now, Rob, I know a lot about comic books. And probably the character I know the most about is one Spider-Man. Obviously, this is kind of like a very deep dive into the Spider-Man history. So now I only saw one trailer and really didn't read too much about this movie. So a few minutes in the movie, we see that Dakota Johnson, who is the big star of the movie, shot, you know, she becomes Madam Web. Spoilers, I'm sure everybody figured that out, that she is an EMT. Her partner in the EMT world is, I forget the guy's name, he's a great actor, but he was Will Ferrell's brother and stepbrothers. So he is, um, he is her partner. 
So five, ten minutes in the movie, they save somebody's life. They go into the um, they go into the hospital, and the daughter of the person that they saved the life goes over to Dakota Johnson and says, "Thank you so much, ma'am, for saving my life, or for saving my mother's life." She says, "Don't thank me," and points at her partner. Says, "Thank Ben Parker." I go, "Whoa, we're going into the Ben Parker now." For those who don't know, Ben Parker becomes Uncle Ben, and he's a very young Ben Parker. I'm like, "Is this kind of like the B or C plot? Is a Uncle Ben origin story?" The next scene, these two are eating Chinese food, like I guess on their lunch break. And then Dakota Johnson says to what we now know as Ben Parker, hey, what are your plans this week? And he goes, I have a date. And I think this one's a keeper. He goes, oh, tell me your name. And I'm like, say May, say May, say Aunt May. Is this going to be Aunt May? And he goes, I can't tell you her name. I was like, oh my. So some of the B and C plots is a lot of like before even Peter Parker was born. So this was like, again, a B and C plot was almost like a Ben Parker origin story, which I thought was really cool because I'm a massive, massive Spider-Man fan. I am also a huge Spider-Man fan. Um, The animated series that came out, to my mind, there's only the Batman animated series that comes close to touching it. That's sort of peak television for me, the Spider-Man animated series. So many Saturday mornings waiting desperately um, to watch it. Um, The time I sort of didn't enjoy that series um was ironically when madam webb started showing up um i was just like no just keep giving me bad guys for spider-man to be i don't care about the weird witchy lady that looks sort of like a head teacher i don't i'm not bothered um so i'm already going into this film with a little bit of sort of deep-rooted hatred for it um but the fact that you've described it as watching um, headlocks, wrist locks, back to the headlocks, and so on. I'm glad that we can finally definitively um, uh, sort of compare Madam Web or review Madam Web as a Randy Orton match, which I think probably best best summarizes the plot of uh, of Madam Web. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. If you are if you are a fan of the wrestling stylings of a Randall Keith Orton, then you will be a huge fan of madden web i'm sure i'll catch it at some point um but i've just i've got no desire to pay money to go and see it no no disrespect to anyone and i believe the person you're talking about the stepbrother from stepbrothers isn't it john c o'reilly no 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 um his actual brother oh. the, guy that, the guy that owns the helicopter facility uh that guy that right. guy, the one that like razzed them i think it's alan i want to say alan scott but alan scott is the guy is the green lantern I forget. I heard. I heard one of my buddies' podcast do a review, and I'm like, "That's that guy's name." And he usually does comedy, but he's more of a serious role. And again, I think he's in his 30s, but he looks like he's in his mid 20s here. But yeah, like right, I literally like ooh, sat up in my seat, and I, my wife looked. He goes, well, "Who's who does he become?" I said, "Ben Parker." I said, "He's Uncle Ben." She's like, "Peter Parker's Uncle Ben." I was like, "Yes." He goes, "Is Peter Parker even born?" And I'm not. That's a little. Uh, uh, that I'm not going to get. That'll be a little bit too spoilers because there is a lot of Easter eggs. To Peter Parker coming along sometime soon in this universe, if if Sony does uh, decide to pursue it. So again, I don't know. I don't think it's going to do well at the box office. But how it ended, it was like, oh my goodness, there's so much more they can do with this universe, and I'm looking forward to it. But it was almost like a 
90 100 minute origin story like take take for example folks i promise you we will get to start on talk take for <laughs> example lying. if they he's made lying a, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're still listening we'll make it worth your while but anyway <laughs> so it's almost as everybody knows the peter parker origin story just think if they did the peter parker origin story and he gets bit he, the spider bites him 90 minutes into the movie that's basically how long it was drawn out and then it really starts to pick up but yeah, I'm interested to see where they go with it. Do you need to rush out into the theater to go see it? No. But I wait till it comes to a streaming service or if you can rent it on a direct TV for two or three dollars. Sure. You know, because I, I thought it was I thought it was that cool. And again, for somebody who's a massive fan of the Spider-Man universe, the fact that they're planting all these little Easter eggs um, for what's going to happen in the future. And they do say that it takes place in 2003. So um, I think that's going to web into the ha ha tom holland spider-man universe see what i did there oh honestly mate that was that was seamless i loved it i loved it um for anyone by the way that matt has just given away an enormous spoiler that peter parker becomes spider-man i can only apologize for his <laughs> filthy spoilers um <laughs> no i'm glad you enjoyed it man um i know that obviously the film isn't for everyone but if films were for everyone the world would be a very boring place um now we have actually got quite a considerable amount to talk about today considering there's only been two shows um uh, stardom did a double header of sorts at corican hall this week one on valentine's day and one on the 17th the 17th of course being the pay-per-view um they also did a show in shibuya on the 18th that as we record only just went up on stardom world me and matt did not have enough time to watch that so what we'll be doing today is we'll be talking about a little bit of the news which to be honest after the last two weeks has been a slower news week which thank god um and then we'll go through these two corican cards and then look ahead to next week where we've got a couple more cards and we've also got of course as we record tomorrow mayu iwatani versus mina shirakawa for the iwgp women's championship but before we get into all of that matt before we delve into the goodness that is stardom what on earth is coming up on the stardom cast extra Stardom Cast Extra, the Patreon. Rob, we're covering pro wrestling. Believe it or not. Imagine. <laughs> Unbelievable. Way to keep that in the pro wrestling stardom universe. Uh, alternate commentary this past week. Myself and Rob Goodwin did uh, Mayu Watani's World of Stardom uh, title defense from her first run back in 2017 against Kagetsu. Also, that will be released this week. Probably by the time you hear this or by the weekend, my roundtable discussion with one Scotty Wrestling, uh, Scott and I discussed who had the better run in the five-star Grand Prix. Was it Sherry's 2021 or Julia's 2022? Also, we were going to release, it'll be on your Patreon feeds. First thing next week, our alternate commentary, we'll see Julia defending the World of Stardom Championship against Suzu Suzuki from Supreme Fight 2023. And speaking of Supreme Fight, on the Rossi Vice tier that you so aptly named, my friend, which I thought was a touch of genius, as always, I did a compare and contrast what show was better, Supreme Fight 2023 and Supreme Fight 2024. And we got a lot of really good response back. Since I've never done, we've never done anything like that on the Stardom Cast Extra before. And a lot of people really enjoy that I took two shows and I was able to compare them and what my top five matches were and what show I like better and the reason why. And since everybody liked it and it seemed to be doing well, I'm going to continue to do that probably one or two every month on that top tier, that $10 tier. And let me know what shows you want me to compare and contrast. I'm thinking about maybe doing 
uh, the Dream Queendom 1 versus Dream Queendom 2, maybe World Climax Night 1 versus World Climax Night 2 back in 2022. So let me know what you want me to do uh, as far as comparing contrasting shows because you're in control. Like I said, we always take suggestions on this podcast, and uh, we want to keep this as fan-friendly as possible. And then the last episode that will drop on this month, it's crazy to say as we record this, we're one week away from the end of the month of February. The last podcast we are going to be dropping is I will be interviewing my good friend and tag partner, Andy Hedder, as we will be doing our What If. What if Team Blue and Gold were part of the current stardom roster? I know that's one we were supposed to do a couple months ago. Myself, Rob, and Andy, we just couldn't get the time to figure out when uh, when we would do it. I know a lot of our fantastic uh, Patreon listeners kept asking. I've kept that. I keep asking, when are we going to do it? Um, I'm going to be recording him, I think, Monday, and that'll be in your Patreon feed sometime before the end of the month. Rob, that'll take us to the end of February, which means we're rolling into spring. We're rolling into warm weather. Let's talk about the four matches we have coming up for the Patreon listeners for the alternate commentary in the month of March, sir. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, I am, he says, with no sort of... <laughs> do you know what? No, no, I am ready. Let's do this. I'll stall. You want me to stall? No, okay, so I've got it. Goes. I think I'm all okay. right. All right. So here's what... So Rob texted me about two weeks ago, and he said, hey, for March, alternate commentary... I would like to do Momo Watanabe defending the Wonder of Stardom Championship against one Utami Hayashista back in 2019 that took place in New York City. I said, Mr. Rob Goodwin, that is a phenomenal shout-out. But if we're going to do Momo versus Utami for the white belt, let's do Momo versus Utami for the red belt from the 10th anniversary show from Corican Hall. So those are two, those are two matches we're going to do. I had another pick. We're also going to do one of my favorite, probably my second favorite, tag match in the history of stardom as Sayori Poi, Sorianu, and Natsupoi defending the goddess of stardom tag team championships against Crazy Star, one Maysera, and Suzu Suzuki. So that makes three. We have one more match that we're going to give you. Rob Goodwin, what is that match? That match, he says, as he furiously checks the archives to make sure they haven't already done it. Damn it, they have already done it. Damn it. <laughs> What, what was it? No, I'm curious. No, it's fine. It's fine. Because I do have a backup. I do have a backup, everyone, so don't panic. What we are going to be doing is from the 3rd of March 2019, we are going to be going to Nagoya, and we are going to be locking in to one of the greatest World of Stardom, sorry, Wonder of Stardom championship matches ever produced as Momo Watanabe defends her belt against Jungle Kiona. Oh, great pick, my man. Great pick. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it's been one that I rewatched for Chasing the Dream. And it's just such a good match that I just feel like we need to go into depth on it because it is, I said it's one of the greatest Wonder of Stardom Championship matches. I think there's probably a good a good call for it to be the best stardom match ever. There are certainly people who have it in the conversation. So I'm looking forward to doing that with you. And obviously, you know, it's done in March. Why not do it again? And of course, a little bit more Momo in jungle in people's lives because good God, do I miss jungle Kiona. Now that I'm thinking about it, Rob, I don't think we intentionally did this. So that's three Momo Watanabe matches that we're doing for the month of March. If we remember, we've always last year and the year before, I think we did Momo March Madness. 
And we're also going to be releasing from the vault. Again, I don't think we did this intentionally. I believe we're releasing from the the vault our second ever Patreon episode, which is Momo Watanabe's Wonder of Stardom Complete Championship Run Review from me and you, correct? That is correct. And uh, (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because in terms of our retrospectives, next week on Tuesday, which will be the 27th, of February, my, me and Matt will be dropping our review and retrospective of the first ever Stardom show, going all the way back to January of 2011, seeing the likes of Baby Mayu Iwatani, Baby Arisa Hoshiki, Baby Yoko Bito, Baby Yoshiko, as Stardom fires itself into the mainstream with uh, with its first ever show at Shinkiba. So I'm looking forward to that as well, my friend. Absolutely. And uh, well, and when are we recording that, my man? I don't, did I miss that? <laughs> we are recording that next week, don't we? We'll record it next week before we release it on the Tuesday, so don't panic. Oh, okay. uh, no problem. <laughs> I forgot. I, I know sometimes we do recording on Saturday. I forgot I'm away at Catch Wrestling this uh, this weekend. So Because I don't have enough going on, I figured let me spend the entire weekend getting my uh, arms, legs, and li- uh, limbs uh, stretched. Absolutely, of course. Um, (laughs) Let's delve into some news then. And perhaps the most important thing, before I sort of thank a couple of our brand new patrons, um, I have seen on Twitter that Risa Sarah was rushed to hospital after her match today. I think think she's been released and I think she's okay, Um, but I can't find any proper confirmation that she has been released. She has been sent to hospital immediately following her match, I believe, with Chris Brooks. So, obviously, our thoughts and prayers are with Risa Sarah at this time, and hopefully she makes a quick and speedy recovery. Fingers crossed it's just a precaution, but you never like seeing that, Matt. No, I did see that maybe about an hour before we record that Risa was in the hospital. So, if you're mentioning that she got released, that means she was probably in and out there probably within an hour or two. So it might've been just like maybe concussion protocol or something like that. So we hope she's okay by the time this drops, uh, you know, in your feed on Friday morning, hopefully we have a little bit more news, but if she was in and out of the hospital within a few hours, sounds like it was just a precautionary. Um, Like I always say, pro wrestling is a very dangerous sport and you never know what's going to happen, whether it's a dangerous spot or it could be something as simple as, you know, poor Shotzi Blackheart stepped off the apron and blew her knee out. You just never know what's going to happen. And it's one of the many reasons why I think that us as professional wrestling fans just need to appreciate what all the men and women do for professional wrestling. I think we just need to have a little bit more appreciation for what they do, what they put their bodies through, their, you know, their minds through just to uh, for our entertainment. So folks there on, on the Internet that like to play armchair quarterback, don't be so uh, so harsh on the fantastic people that are participating in the world of pro wrestling. I mean, you've only got to look at Natsukatora to look at innocuous injuries. I mean, she literally jumped off the apron, not even, well, didn't even leap. She just dropped off the apron, twisted a knee, and she was out for over a year. So, you know, horrible things do happen in the world of wrestling, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, Shotty Blackheart, it's never a, a great time to be injured, but literally in the lead up to WrestleMania, a wrestler's biggest payday, you know, Shotty getting more of a um, more of a spotlight recently the chances are that she would have been on that wrestlemania card so to miss out on that i imagine is absolutely devastating so uh yeah obviously best wishes go out to shotzi as well 
And just want to have a big shout out to Mark Candlish and Joseph Usher for returning to our Patreon. It's been great to see you. Um, and let's talk about some news. So after two weeks of negativity and uncertainty and all sorts of he said, she said surrounding stardom and the impending split that we are going to get at the end of March, there has been some good news. And that good news is that the Cinderella tournament is back um stardom held a press conference yesterday i believe or maybe the day before i can't remember all my days have merged into one um announcing that the tournament is back 24 participants um but there's a little bit of a twist and i must say matt i am down for this twist so what i'll do is i will list all 24 of the participants and then we'll sort of go into a couple more things that were announced. So the 24 participants are as follows. Saeeda, Kagame, Hanan, a returning Momo Kogo, which is great. Um, Yuzuki, Lady C, Miyu Amasaki, Yuna Mizumori, Sayaka Karora, Rani Yagami, Hanako, Zina, Natsuka Tora, Starlight Kid, Ruaka, Hazuki, Azumi, Meiseira, Suzu Suzuki, Mirai, Amisori, Waka Tsukiyama, Saki Kashima, and May Sakurai. Now, obviously, yes, we have got a tournament sort of field assessed. Well, anyone that has tried to do a tournament bracket knows that 24 does not go into a tournament bracket or is not easy to fit into a tournament bracket. So there are some that have been given um, a buy, basically. And those people are as follows. Uh, May Sarah is already through. She gets a first round buy, uh, as is chosen by Stardom. Hazuki gets a first round buy, again, thanks to Stardom. Um, Azumi gets one. Suzu Suzuki gets one. Mirai gets one off the back of being a double winner. Amisori gets one. Wakasuki Yama gets one. And Mei Sakurai gets one. Mirai, Amisori, Wakasuki Yama, and Mei Sakurai all received buys on the back of being the final four in last year's tournament. Hazuki, Azumi, Meisera, and Suzu Suzuki all have buys because they have been selected by Stardom um, to receive those buys. So, the 16 wrestlers in your opening tournament round are Sairida, Kagama, Hanan, Momokogo, Yuzuki, Lady C, Miyu Amasaki, Yuna Mizumori, Saka Karora, Rani Yagami, Hanako, Zena, Tora, Starlight Kid, Ruaka, and Saki Kashima. Now, for those who are paying attention, let's say, you will notice that there is a hell of a lot of people missing from that bracket. Just to name a few, Mai Wiwatani, Utami Hayashista, Sayakamatani, uh, Momo Watanabe, Tam Nakano, Micah, Siori, Mina Shirakawa, and Julia are amongst the names to have missed out on the tournament bracket this year. Now, I personally do not mind this because um, Mr. Ricardo actually said during the press conference that he wants this to be almost a stepping stone, like it used to be, a stepping stone into that main event. And I think keeping out the champions, um, which is what they've done, obviously Micah, Red Belt champion, Mayu, IWGP, and so on and so forth, they've kept those champions out of it, which does free up that block to make it a rather intriguing tournament. Because if you go back over those names I went through, and I'm not going to go through them again, don't worry. 
But aside from Hazuki, Azumi, obviously you can't look past Mirai, who is a back-to-back winner. Suzu, Suzuki, Natsugatora, and Starlight Kid. Maybe Hanan as well. It's a very, very open tournament. Like, I know people have said it's Hazuki and Azumi's to win. Me personally, I said that on Twitter as well. I, I think this is Hazuki's tournament. I think it's Hazuki's year, um, which ironically means it will probably be Azumi's year after years of saying that Azumi's going to win the tournament. But I could legitimately see it being five or six different competitors. And A, that makes for a thoroughly compelling tournament. B, it means that you can cut down on nonsense finishes in order to try and eradicate the champions without making them look bad. And C, it's a fresh approach. I like the fact that we're not over-congesting the Cinderella tournament. Yes, it's still not the one-night tournament we had for so many years. However, condensing the tournament and making it more about the people that haven't necessarily ascended full-time to the main event, I think is a perfect look forward for the Cinderella tournament, Matt. What about you? Rob, buddy, you cut out. Can you name every single participant in the tournament again? I'm totally messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting full yeah, Excalibur I, then. <laughs> you were going to turn heel on me. You're going to super kick me and throw me through the barbershop window. Uh, <laughs> anywho. <laughs> no, I know, you know, everybody's first reaction on social media was like, where's Mighty? Where's this? Where's that? I'm like, do you remember last year the tournament was absolutely loaded? And I think there was like 21 matches night one. And like nine or 10 of them went to a draw, something like that. And by the time you got to the main event, you were just so exhausted. Like, I don't know who's left, but there's so many buys. And this person has a first round buy. And now is getting through because 84 matches went to a time limit draw. Where it's you're going, I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to see a double elimination here or there, a time limit draw here from there. Obviously, it's going to be nowhere near as what it was last year. So you're going to have those participants that are, again, almost like a stepping stone to get towards what's either going to be, you know, winning the Cinderella tournament and getting a shot at the Wonder of Stardom Championship or the World of Stardom Championship. Not only that, but I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, night one, the opening night isn't the Yokohama Budokan, correct? Yes, it is. Now that's a building they're going to want to get something around 28, 29, 3, you know, 28, 2900, 3000 people. So I think what they're going to do is by leaving out the main champions, you know, Mike is not in it and Tam's not in there. And I know she's not a champion, but I'm going to get to my point in a minute. Aphrodite's not in there. Mayu, the IWGP uh, women's champion, she's not in there. So I think you'll do your first round. Maybe you'll have like an eight person special tag match to those wrestlers that, that have the first round by. And that'd be fun. Just mix them up any way you want with those eight wrestlers and getting a first round by, you know, and then we're going to give a, you know, an eight person tag on night one in the Yokohama Budokan. That'd be a fun match. And then I think they're going to do Micah because we know we're getting Mike and Tam. I think they're going to do Mike and Tam at the Yokohama Budokan. Again, what a loaded card that's going to be. If you're going to get your opening round of the Cinderella tournament and then your main event or one of your main events is going to be a World of Stardom championship match with Micah, the newer champion, defending against the wrestler who never lost the belt. I think that'd be a really, really good booking decision. Uh, and then again, maybe, and then you mentioned it a little bit ago, partner, that we're getting Mayu and Mina this weekend for the IWGP Women's Championship. We know that match is going to be great, but it's on a New Japan card. What if that match is great? It's not a what if, that match is going to be awesome. What if they're just like, that match is great. We're going to turn around and do a rematch uh, with these two wrestlers because they're not in the Cinderella tournament. 
either on what night one, night two, night three, or the final night. That's the way they can go about it. And again, you don't have Aphrodite in this tournament as well. So you can see maybe a tag team title match somewhere going in this tournament uh, as well. So I like the way that they're doing that. I like that. It's like, okay, we know that like you know, last year Mayu was in it and Utami was in there. And as great as they are, we know they're not winning the Cinderella tournament. You know, they've been in that upper echelon for years. So why waste everybody's time? Why Mayu and Sai Kamatani last year on night one went like three minutes. It was like the biggest heartbreak ever because everyone was so excited to see it. And it's like the entrances were longer than the match. So at least this way we're going to get more quality than quantity. And I like that they're doing that. And again, I think they're going to be sprinkling some title matches or some big, important implication title match implications. So that's twice. Big, important uh, uh, title match implications in these shows to go with the Cinderella tournament. And if that's what they're going to do, I'm all for it. And I think it's really smart booking from uh, the new booking committee over here at Stardom. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to want to really sell out that Yokohama Budokan show, especially as the last time they ran that venue, which was the New Year's Stars show, the Triangle Derby. They only drew 960 people, which they will want to top. They will want to get back into those 1,000 sort of figures, especially as they actually outdrew that Yokohama Budokan show with the Korokan that we're going to be talking about today. Um, In terms of the dates for the Cinderella, March 9th, is the opening night, which is two weeks on Saturday. We get our first night of the Cinderella tournament. We've then got March 10th, which is Corican Hall. We've then got March 16th in Himaji. We've then got March 17th in Maibara. And then March 20th in Nagoya will be the finals. So I know that you said, Matt, about maybe having Mike versus Tam run at Yokohama Budokan. I wonder if they'll put that on the final card with it being in Nagoya. What do you think? No, that's a possibility because they did that two years ago with, I think it was Himmick and Shuri. Remember mm-hmm. that that in 2022, they had the Cinderella finals, those three matches, and then they loaded with a whole uh, really big stack card. That's a possibility. Or they can do one Micah title defense on night one and then a Micah title defense, you know, you know, somewhere else down the line. I mean, there's a lot of different options they have. Or again, they can put one big title match on each of one of these nights. Again, you have Mayu IWGP, IWGP champion. You have Aphrodite the tag champs you have Soriano the uh, wonder champ and then um and then Micah the world of stardom champion so you have those four big champions that'll doesn't matter who they put them in their ring with they're going to have great matches that are going to sell tickets that are going to sell pay-per-views that are going to sell stardom world subscriptions and again you can put these championship matches uh on each show and mix them in with the Cinderella tournament i think it's going to be an absolute banger of uh, of a handful of shows I think it's good as well that we do have these seeds. You know, these are the favourites. We know this. Um, but it also, it gives the chat to people like Hazuki as well, that recognition that she thoroughly does deserve because I do feel like Hazuki is in a little bit of danger of becoming like Jungle Kiona and also Ran, you know, someone who is notoriously fantastic at putting on brilliant matches whenever she's given the tap on the shoulder, but is in danger of not having the singles gold to go along with that and having sort of the nod from stardom to say, no, 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 you are one of the higher seeded wrestlers in this. I think that's a really, really good thing to have a real confidence boost as well, especially as after her FWC match with um, Julia and um, Suzu Suzuki, um, she actually came out and said she wants that Y belt. She's coming for that Y belt and what better way than to win the Cinderella. The story's there. It's Hazuki's year. Um, But, that aside, 
I know that obviously, Matt, we'll, once the brackets are released, we're still awaiting brackets and first round matchups and, and the like. We will release a full bracketology episode as we do every year, giving our picks for every match and so on and so forth. But Matt, early on, you know, without delving into too much detail, and I know that the way we do things, it tends to change on an hourly basis. Who are you looking at in terms of winners of the 2024 Stardom Cinderella tournament? Is Mariah going to make it a three-peat? I don't think she will. I think Mariah should make it to the final four, which will more than likely, I hope they do the final four on the pay-per-view, which is what they've been doing since they went to this uh, this this style bracket since... I believe 2021, correct, partners? Is when they've done like this style bracket. Yeah. Yeah. I hope she makes the final four because then that's something I'm going to be like, oh, is she going to be the first person to not only three people, but to win three Cinderella tournaments? Right right now, it's only her and Mayu that have won multiple Cinderella tournaments. They both won two. Um, Now, you know, before I get answered, Mike, uh, give you my answer, you know that about an hour after we record this, that Stardom's going to release the brackets, 100%. They're probably (laughs) releasing it now. (laughs) No, because we're still on the air, and someone would text me, and I would be like, hold on, Rob, we're going to interrupt the uh, Saeed or shoot headbutt match to give our brackets. But um, my early pick, and I I know me and you talked a little bit off air, and we talked a little bit on Twitter. My early pick is the same one as you. Uh, not unless you change yours, but I'm, I may be betting with my heart here than my head, but I'm going to say it's Suzuki. I just think it's her year. I think it's the best shot for her. I picked her last year. Of course, her and Azumi were eliminated, double elimination in the first round. Uh, so, but um, I have Suzuki, and uh, I asked my wife, I said, a lot of people are asking you are, they want your pick. And she said, well, from what you told me, Saida had a heck of a match, maybe the MVP of the pay-per-view that we're going to talk about at the end of the show. It's like, I think they should give it to Saida, which a lot of people were very happy that uh, my wife went with the Saida route. Obviously, we're huge fans of both Saida and Hazuki on this show. But to again, it's not my official pick, Rob. Obviously, we'll do that when we do our bracketology, which hopefully you don't have another heart attack. For those listeners, if you remember last year, poor Rob, I can feel him sweating through the <laughs> microphone. He was so, he was up in a little tiffy. But um, uh, my unofficial pick right now is Suzuki. How about you? Ideally, you know, thinking with ordinarily when I think with my heart, it you know, it is just an emotional reflex. However, this year it just it makes most sense. You've got reared of all the champions. You are you know, you're putting a focus on the challenges. And I think Hazuki is the perfect person. I think she deserves it. I think to complete, you know, forget Cody Rhodes, Hazuki needs to finish the story. And hopefully that's the route they're going. I can I could see Sayurida going the entire way. And after this weekend, never mind the star of the pay-per-view. I thought she was one of the stars of the entire two shows that we watched because she was phenomenal in the elimination match as well. Um I would be more than happy to see Sayurida in the mix as well. Personally, I completely agree with you, Matt. I think Mariah makes it through to the semifinals. You know, she's a two-time winner of the tournament. She's a former white belt champion, so it makes sense to have her in the mix. I can see Amisori being in the mix. My final four at the moment, and again, this could very much change. Well, it will change because the brackets will sort of force my hand somewhat. I can see the final four being Starlight Kid, Mirai, Hazuki, and Suzu Suzuki. 
Rob, I have three of your four. Take Suzu out and replace her with Azumi. Do you know what? It's between Suzu, Suzu, Suzumi, and Azumi. <laughs> I just, I would like to see, in my ideal situation, and again, it depends how the brackets pan out. And again, sure, ladies sure. and gentlemen, we will be going through a full bracketology episode <laughs> where Rob will gently, uh, gently just melt into a puddle of anxiety. Um, and you'll hear it all live on the Stardom cast. So wonderful. Um, but I'd love to see Hazuki beat Mirai in the semi in the semi-final and then i'd love to see azumi versus starlight kid in the semi-final as well because i think you've oh, got that... that rivalry first they've always been sort of competing for that who's going to be the first to do things you know um azumi was the first one to win the high speed title starlight kid was the first one to win the future title um azumi was the first one in the five-star grand prix and so on and so forth so uh, it's interesting it's an interesting story, and I think it would be really cool to have those two. Who's going to be the first one to win a Cinderella? Who's going to be the first one to make it to the Cinderella final? Um, I do think it'll be Starlight Kid, by the way. I do think we're looking at a Hazuki versus Starlight Kid final. Um, but, and this is crucial, I don't think Starlight Kid wins because, for me, the Cinderella tournament is a face tournament. I can't think of any heels that have won it. Julia was a tweener. But I don't really think there have been any outright heels that have ever won the Cinderella tournament. And at the moment, Starlight Kid is very much a heel as a member of Oeditai. So unless there is a complete about face and she becomes a face again between now and the 9th of March, I don't know. I I don't think this is her year. I can see her as a future winner if she stays with Stardom because I can see her being the face of Stardom going forward. However... As a heel, I don't think she makes it. I mean, is that just me being very naive, Matt? Or, you know, you think about the entire concept of the Cinderella. You think about, you know, the photo opportunity at the end where they're in the dress, they've got the crown on. That doesn't strike me as a very heel-centric thing to do. I can't, for example, imagine a Ruaka doing that or a Natsukatora doing that or a Rina doing that as they're members of a Wedatai. I see your point. I'm going through all the winners in my head. It's Mayu, Mayu, Tony Storm, Momo, Arissa, Julia. Julia was probably the closest thing to a heel, but mm-hmm. she was just so badass that, again, you tweener, you hit it. You know, the immortal words of Lake Ray Tracy, Tracy Smothers. I'm a tweener, man. Uh, so Julia, yeah, then you have Sayakamatana, the ultimate baby face, and then uh, Mirai, Mirai. So, yeah, you have a point. I see that. Also, at the same time, Starlight Kid is almost in the Io Shirai like, I'm a heel, but I'm not a heel because I'm so darn good. So I see your point where she's technically a heel, but who's booing her when she's wrestling? She's charismatic. She's got the mask. She's got the cool entrance. She's phenomenal in the ring. She doesn't cheat as much as really she should or she used to. So, yeah, I see your point. But at the same time, kind of cool visual with Starlight Kid with the dress, with the mask, and then on top of the mask, the crown. So that could be <laughs> something interesting as well. But I see your point. Um, I don't agree or don't disagree but we'll see how it shakes out but considering the fact starlight kid just got a wonder of stardom championship match do they usually when they when they build you up and break you down they usually wait a longer time to build you up but maybe this is just something like okay we're going to build her up a little faster because maybe they want starlight kid to walk out of the big show at the end of april um at all-star grand queendom as the wonder of stardom champion and again keep in mind sarianu is again from what we understand a freelancer 
with the Wonder of Stardom Championship, and considering the fact that she's got a great relationship with Rossi Ogawa, you know, they have to figure out soon, if they haven't already, what they're going to do with that Wonder of Stardom Championship, because the last thing they do, they want is for that belt to show up on Rossi's show. So the possibility maybe Starlight Kid wins it, and then they just quickly put the, put the belt on her, and she'll be a great champion. And I think you made mention on this podcast uh, last, last week, my friend, that uh, we see, you know, me and you both see Starlight Kid with that Wonder of Stardom Championship around her waist probably within the next 12 to 18 months and maybe this is the time for it now maybe the way that things are lining up this is the way to go about it but there's a lot of different possible winners starlight kid wins it no problem we get it azumi that'd be great obviously we're betting with hazuki if saida wins i think our minds will explode just because like starlight kid azumi and, and azumi have been in the main event scenes for so long we just see how hard Saida has been working and continues to work. We're just like, come on, just do it. Just do it. I think that our heads would explode uh, like a, a four-year-old boy, you know, waking up and getting a Nintendo entertainment system on Christmas morning that a Saida wins this tournament. There's a lot of ways they can go about it. I'm super excited for it. And I'm super excited for our, our bracketology. Now, Rob, I have to ask the question uh, when we do, when we've been doing this, our brackets, our significant others have also entered in their brackets. I know my wife will be entering hers. Will uh, Kirsty be entering her bracketology? What, the chance to beat me at something with having no prior <laughs> knowledge on it so she can rub it in my face at really random moments? Yes, I imagine she probably will be, Matt, yes. Um, <laughs> what One thing that I cannot believe that we have overlooked, or one person, should I say, that I cannot believe we've overlooked. We've spent all this time going through our different sort of different sort of routes and different people that we think might make the final and future winners and things, and not one of us has mentioned who I think is a nailed-on victor in the next couple of years if she stays. Ooh. Hannah. Yeah. Like, how have neither of us mentioned Hannah? And again, it depends entirely on how they structure these brackets as to who makes, you know, the semifinals. Because, you know, if Mariah and Hazuki are in the second round, then you know for a fact that obviously it's not going to be a semifinal between those two, which opens the door for somebody else. I would love to see Hannon win it. I think if you're looking at the future, the whole point, according to Mr. Okada from Bushi Road, is to highlight those challenges. Then Hannon is the perfect fit because... There's no one in the company more improved than Hannon. There's no one in the company that feels like she has potential star written on her as much as Hannon does. And she's a an uber baby face. She's not just a baby face. She's an uber baby face. So I think that picture of her in the dress with the tiara, I think would work really really well but again it's another person you can add to the already 12 winners we've given to this <laughs> tournament um again so much is up in the air until we see the bracket which i imagine i'd be very surprised if we haven't seen it by this time next week very 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 surprised um last thing um just on the tournament structure so i mentioned that the final is going to be on the 20th of march in nagoya that will be a pay-per-view as we know the champion ordinarily and has pretty much the entirety of the tournament's run will get a wish and that wish will manifest as a wonder of stardom championship opportunity. We assume that that's going to be the case here. Um, uh, Matt, I don't know if you know this, but the biggest show immediately after that final, would you happen to uh, to know when that is? 
EC dub, EC dub, EC dub. Would I be correct, sir? I don't want to say that stardom should <laughs> run that white belt match in the ECW arena in front of clamoring stardom fans. But can you imagine if they actually run that? And I know, Matt, when we announced that we were going to do Philly Mania, we joked how good would it be to see Hazuki raise that white belt in America. Oh my God, how good would it be, Matt? Because this is getting progressively closer. Obviously, we're talking about this, and Hazuki has not even entered the tournament yet. Never mind, won it. But I just think it would be really cool if we're there in attendance. Hazuki finally, at 0-5, finally gets that monkey off her back, finally holds the white belt in the air. Because again, I see so many parallels at the moment between her and Jungle Kiona, and I don't want Hazuki to leave this company and not have the singles gold she deserves because that's one big, big regret I have for this company is that Jungle Kiona was out of the company before she was able to complete that story and get that singles gold because you know the moment that she got that gold because it happened in Nagoya, of course it would, but I just think it would be absolutely perfect. It would be so good, but it didn't happen. Hopefully it happens with Hazuki. Um, I don't know if you saw the press conference, Matt, but it is a press conference, therefore it's absolute carnage. A um, couple of things. Momo Kogo made a quitting joke in the midst of everything that is going on with the company. She was like, I did think about quitting. Quitting being a loser. Oh! Yeah! <laughs> Love but it. But she should have headbutted a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she said that she's coming for the tournament. She's back, which is great. There's been loads of videos on her Instagram and stuff of her working out and getting into shape. So great stuff that she's coming back. Azumi managed to have everyone hysterics because she said the wrong thing at the end. And ordinarily, when you say the wrong thing, you style it out. So Mayu is so used to saying the wrong thing by now that she's used to just styling it out. Azumi had no chill whatsoever. She said the wrong thing, corrected herself, and then spent the next 15 minutes of the press conference absolutely howling with laughter at herself whilst Hazuki's trying to keep a straight face next to her. Absolutely fantastic. Incredible stuff. Um, let's move on then. Now, Matt, I don't know if you've seen um, the interview that Mayu Iwatani has done with NJPW1972 before and sort of preparation for her match with Mina Shirakawa. Have you read this? I have. Uh, I've read a little bit on our good friend Scotty Wrestling's uh, Twitter page. So I've only been able to brief just a little bit of it. But uh, hey, my man, you know, the best place where I get my news is the Stardom cast with Rob Goodwin. So go have at it, my man. Have there at it. There you go. Um, this interview... <laughs> This is not Tokyo Sports, so this is not kayfabe. And Mayu takes that to the nth degree. I think she's a little bit too honest in some cases. She is brutal at times. So this is obviously in preparation for her fourth IWGP Women's Championship defense against Mina Shirakawa coming tomorrow as we record, 23rd of February in Sapporo on the new beginning in Sapporo Night 1 card. Um she basically they ask her all sorts of questions it's a really long but really really good interview they talk about sort of 
the direction of stardom. They talk about Mayu's match with Mercedes Monet. They talk about where her match with Suri stands in her own personal sort of Hall of Fame of matches for her. She rates it really highly alongside her matches with Io and Kagetsu. Um, she also talks about Mina Shirakawa. And good grief, Mayu goes to town on Mina. So we already know that Mayu has said that winning a championship is a tall, a tall wall to climb. And um, the interviewer actually says, it sounds like you're paraphrasing what Tanahashi said to Okada. And Mayu laughs and says, yeah, that's exactly where I got it from. I just had to change it because I didn't want to directly copy Tana, which I thought was funny in itself. But she then goes on to mention the fact that A, Mina has changed her style a lot and can't seem to stick to one style. Mentions the formation of EXV, which is the fourth faction she's been a part of in stardom, and notes that she seems to have a mentality of new faction, new belt. Um, And then, perhaps even worse, then says that she doesn't know what type of wrestler Mina is, only really thinks about her having her face blown open by Saya Kamatani's knee in 2022, and then goes on to say to reference a match that Mina and Unagi had that was so bad that Mayu chewed them both out backstage for potentially turning fans off the product. She has no chill during this interview. And before all this, before they get into Mina and all this, they ask her about the IWGP Women's Championship, where Mayu basically outright says, I didn't see the point in it. Um, I wanted to win it because I wanted to be the first. The fact that Kyrie won it, I was full of jealousy. But once I'd won it, I didn't really see the point because they then did the New Japan Strong Women's Championship, which is effectively the same belt. That was defended all the time. I didn't get to defend mine. She is so salty about the past of the IWGP Women's Championship. And the fact that she is so openly honest is really quite refreshing. Again, there's no kayfabe. And I know that the chances are she is saying this primarily just to build a little bit of heat with Mina. But even so, it's a cracking interview. They talk about all sorts that I do actively encourage you to go and check out on NJPW1972. But honestly, Matt, you need to read it. The way she buries Mina is so harsh. Yeah, then I think she'll put her over. Not put her, I think, obviously, you know, I'll give my early prediction. We'll probably talk about it later on the show. I think Mayu is going to win, but I think she's going to put her over in the match, meaning she's going to give Mina probably more than 50% of the match, and she may shake her hand afterwards. Again, and if it's a phenomenal match, there might be a good uh, chance that they run it back sometime during the Cinderella tournament as a rematch for a proper stardom, you know, stardom-only show. But yeah, it seems like Mayu just doesn't have that filter in your head that, you know, when you hear something or your question gets asked, you're like, this is the answer I have, but let me filter it out a little bit to kind of be a little bit more, you know, nicer. It does seem like she's trying to build up this match. And uh, I, I know of the match you're talking about with Mina and Unagi that was not good, considering the fact that how far, how great Mina and Unagi are in 2024 compared to what they were in that match just goes to show how hard the two of them have worked at their craft to get better. But uh, again, that just shows you how much Mayu cares about stardom and the product, saying you guys are so bad out there that you need to get better in order to become have stardom become a better promotion. Or, you know, we don't want to turn anybody off to this promotion that I've literally been here since day one that I've given my neck for. So it just goes to show you 
the passion that uh, Mayu has for stardom chewing Mina and Unagi out. And it's also, you know, let's put Mina over here a little bit. It also goes to show you how far she's come, you know, to the point where she got chewed out a handful of years ago from the icon of stardom. Now she's on a New Japan proper show challenging uh, the icon of stardom, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, women's wrestler of all time for the IWGP Women's Championship. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a well-timed interview. Again, we're, we're as this episode drops, we're hours away from that match, and I'm super excited for it. But uh, it's always nice to have Mayu in an interview <laughs> because you're, you're always going to get a uh, no BS answer. Which is fantastic. I do love. I, you know, one way to interpret this interview is the fact that Mina has gotten under Mayu's skin, which is, you know, when you consider the animosity that Mayu had towards Mina when Mina was brought into um, Stars way back in 2020, um, the fact that Tam hadn't asked permission to bring this person into Stars but did it anyway, and this was ultimately the genesis that led to the Stars and Cosmic Angels split. Um, there's a lot of deep-seated resentment, I imagine, from Mayu towards Mina. And it wouldn't surprise me if Mina, who has gotten a lot of victories over stars in the run-up to this show, it wouldn't surprise me if Mina has just pushed Mayu's buttons and that's a reason for this interview. Of course, Ma- Mina won the elimination match we're going to talk about in a moment by beating Mayu, by pinning Mayu clean. Um, whether that translates to a victory in Sapporo, we'll find out, obviously. But either way, this adds a wonderful little nugget of heat to this. Um, also on this um, interview, Mayu puts over Mercedes Monet, huge, um, says that she is one of the biggest stars she's ever faced, is a real pro's pro, um, really goes to town and talking about how it was one of the biggest moments of her career. She was really, really grateful to Mercedes and that she was a little bit starstruck by Mercedes as well. So again, if you haven't had chance to read it, and I don't know, you need something to read whilst on the toilet, this is great toilet reading. It definitely is. And it's definitely where I read the interview. But those little bits about EXV, I love that little bit about EXV, you know. The fact that she's in her fourth faction since starting stardom. The fact that she can't decide on a style. I just thought it's like basically character assassination from Mayu. Um, But I do like that. And I think it's probably going to play into a little bit of complacency from Mayu in the early goings of the Sapporo match. It really would not surprise me because we see this quite a lot when Mayu underestimates someone. She becomes complacent, then really struggles to scrabble back the momentum. Again... Is Mina going to dethrone Mayu? We'll talk a little bit about that when we get to our previews at the end of the show. Final thing I just want to talk about in the news, Mr. Well, technically, there's two things, actually, I want to talk about in the news. But the first one is that there was some more stardom representation on a New Japan card. And that was on the same day as the Corican Hall pay-per-view, the 17th of February, where the younger Weathertie team of Starlight and Ruwaka pulled double duty, um, won in the opening tag um, before hustling themselves over to the Fantastica Mania Tour, um, where they took on Lavia and La Harashita of Las Chicas Indomables. Yep. Um, <laughs> in a tag match, ultimately in a losing effort, but Matt, what did you think about this? We've both seen the match now, obviously, and I will just say there are some fantastic matches on this Fantastic Mania card, some really cool stuff. I'm not au fait or familiar with CMLL 
at all, but there are some incredible wrestlers. I'm sure that's not a hot take for anyone. How did you think Starlight Kid and Ruwaka did against the Mexican talent? I thought they were very good. I thought Starlight Kid was clearly the star of the match. Uh, Lucha Libre, not unless it's like the top, top talent Lucha Libre. is really not my bag of tea. It's really kind of not my style. And again, it's just, it's just maybe I just don't understand it. You know, they work on the right. It doesn't seem like they really lock in their holds. Some of their strikes, again, not all of them. Some of their strikes just really aren't that hard-hitting, where I more like the harder-hitting style, like the headlocks where you can't see any daylight, any wrist locks where you can't see any daylight, where it really looks like it's a struggle. So Lucha Libre, again, I think the athletes that can do the Lucha style, it just blows me away. I mean, I can barely, you know, stand up straight. So uh, mm-hmm. I knew that going in. So I thought the other competitors that wrestled against the Young Oweta team, I thought they were very, very good. I thought Ruwaka really stood out because she was completely different. You know, there was she didn't do the high-flying style. She's very much a map-based wrestler, you know, with the shoulder tackles and the lariats and the submission holds. So I thought her offense stood out very well against the other three competitors in this one. But the two ladies from CMLL, I thought were, were very good. But a starlight kid, I don't think anybody would disagree with me. It was clearly the star of that match, literally to the point where she was being cheered on towards the end of the match, which... Again, when you we talked about Starlight Kid as the heel winning the Cinderella tournament, is she or isn't she? Because of just the big pop that she got as this match is building towards the finish. I thought all in all it was a uh, a solid, solid match against Starlight Kid. In my opinion, clearly the star of the match. And I actually had it at three and a half stars. Yeah, I thought it was a solid effort, definitely. I think Starlight Kid was certainly positioned as the star of the match, the centerpiece of the match. She was the person that took the heat to begin with and wrestled control back um, later on. Even the fact that she slipped during that first Asai Moonsault and was still able to claw back the fans was was real testament to how good she is. Um, she came out with... Those Mexican ponchos were really, really cool. Um, that were signed by, I, I think they were signed by CMLL, I think uh, Walker and Chris said. Um, but they came out came out with El Desperado, which I thought was quite cool because I know that her and Despy were uh, teaming at wrestling at um, Historic Crossover. Um, and then they just randomly shouted, Viva La Mexico, um, which was quite cool. Um, but I thought Ruwaka did quite well here as well. I thought she was, you know, she did what she needed to do. She did it well. She didn't blow anyone away, certainly, but I thought she'd made the most of her opportunity in New Japan. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more integration of stardom wrestlers onto New Japan cards like this, onto Road 2 shows, and onto maybe, you know, it doesn't even have to be bigger cards like Dominion or King of Pro Wrestling or even Wrestle Kingdom, but you can certainly fit them on um, New Japan Corrigan Hall show cards or even like, you know, B pay-per-views, Power Struggle, for example. I would like to see more integration. Obviously, we've seen it here with Starlight and Ruwaka wrestling Las Chicas in Don Marbles, um, and we've obviously seen it with Mayu and uh, Mina Shirakawa. I've seen quite a few people that start say that Starlight has missed her calling having an excursion to Mexico, and I'd certainly like to see Starlight Kid perfect her craft in Mexico. I think she would come back a completely different wrestler in the best possible way. I think she'd look absolutely tremendous um final thing that i want to talk about matt is philly mania um obviously our live podcast um will be live on the 4th of 
April, and we actually have the information and everything on our website, stardomcast.com. Um, we are going to be at Jack at Jack's Steaks Tap Room in Philly, 242 Wharton Street, Philadelphia. Um, 7 p.m. We are going to be there. It's a five-minute walk from the ECW arena or the 2300 arena, whatever you want to call it. We will be there, courtesy of Funk Brewing, completely free. We're not going to charge anything at all for you to come and see us. We just want to see your lovely faces, throwing questions our way and generally um, sort of getting involved in the podcast. We're also going to be launching our brand new Stardom cast beer. That's going to be on tap in the bar as well. So let's all go and get wasted responsibly on the new Stardom cast beer, Matt Turner. Yeah, well, I'm everybody's DD, so uh, I will have maybe one or two with you guys at the bar. Then I got to make sure that uh, <laughs> that we get back to the hotel safe or if we go to another show afterwards, which is another discuss- uh, discussion for another day or maybe later on in the day. But, uh, yes, not only will we de- debuting our beer, which I believe is going to be on tap, but there are going to be uh, cans as well. So you can come and get your collector uh, six-pack of the Stardom Cast beer. There's going to be our logo that you see um, over here, you know, on the, the podcast. And uh, I put the logo up on the beer labels, all done by my friends over at Funk Brewing. They have, that's uh, all done and up on all of our social media. So if you want to gander at what the label looks like, just go on to our social medias or shoot me an email. I'll be more than happy to share what the beer label looks like. We don't know how long we have for the podcast. We're actually, I think we're probably going to figure that out next week. I think myself and Sean have a uh, our editor-in-chief, Sean, because Sean's going to be the one that's going to set up all the sound for us. Uh, we're going to have a phone meeting with uh, Jess. I believe her name is Jess, the owner of the bar, and we will ask the question of how long we're able to podcast for. So we know the general idea is for us to review the show that we just watched, um, kind of like a live review of what we just watched. And then if we do have time, we would like to do a live Q&A and then maybe do even a Q&A to the uh, – Fantastic listeners of this show that won't be able to make Philly Mania, Rob. So that uh, should be interesting. It's exciting. Again, you know, it's only a five-minute walk. And great job, partner, on the uh, the graphics and the flyers for the show. So, and if you're going to be there, please let one of us know so we can kind of get a head count at the bar. So we're not breaking any fire codes or anything. But there is an outside and an inside. From what my from what my understanding is, if, if there's too many people inside. You're more than uh, like you're more than welcome to go outside, and that they have sound set up outside, so you will be able to listen to myself and Rob talk about the uh, wonderful professional wrestling company that we love so much, called Stardom. And then now, it, Rob, now if there's any, ooh, what, I'm sorry, sorry buddy. go on. No, after you. I was going to say there's actually a little news segment that I want to talk about with you. So whenever you're done on the part portion of the news segment, there's something I want to go over with you. But go ahead, my friend. You were going to say something. That sounds utterly terrifying. But no, it was just that I know that the DDT show um, starts at eight. So if you want to come and see us, then go to the DDT show. Please feel free. Uh, again, it's a five minute walk from the venue so would love to see as many of you there as possible hell we might even drop in on the ddt show we don't know yet now matt what would you like to talk to me about i'm ever so slightly scared no shouldn't be scared i saw this on uh, twitter the other day and i figured this would make for a good discussion on the podcast so i don't know if you saw sai kamatani put a tweet out two or three days ago saying that she met with the brass at Stardom and Bushi Road for new merchandise, and there's going to be new merchandise coming out. Now, she didn't say if it's Sayakamitani merchandise, 
She didn't say if it's Aphrodite merchandise. She didn't say if it's Queen's Quest merchandise. She just said there's a bunch of new merchandising coming out, and she's really excited for it. And I'm paraphrasing. About two hours ago, Azumi tweeted something out that there's a double photo shoot that the members of Queen's Quest are going to be a part of this weekend, and she's really excited for the photo shoot. The reason why I find that interesting is we know the roster. There are certain members of certain factions and wrestlers that are going to be staying with Stardom and some that are going to be Rossi's company. Bushi Road would not invest time and money into one Sai Kamatani or Izumi or whoever else if they know they weren't staying with Stardom. And I just find that very interesting. So I again, we don't know who's staying, who's going, but if Sai is tweeting out that she met with the brass at Bushi Road to talk about new merchandise, my opinion on it is that Sai is staying. And then I just thought it was really interesting that Azumi said there's a double photo shoot with members of Queen's Quest this weekend. So that's just kind of something I kind of just want to just get a little quick discussion uh, with you. I mean, it, there's always going to be little nuggets that you can take um, whichever way you want. It does make sense if they're talking about brand new merchandise with Stardom, then it does sort of indicate that they are not going to be leaving. However, I will just make the point that Unagi left and Stardom was still selling Unagi stuff for a good while after she left. So there is a chance that they are just, you know, sort of getting in while they're good, you know, while they can. Let's have a shirt. Um, and then once they've left, Stardom will still sell it. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I'd love to have answers in regards to what on earth is going on and who's going to stay and whatever. It seems like a very, very strange game of cat and mouse. Um, but look, if we get new merchandise out of it, great. Just make it more readily available to the American audience and British audience. That is my dream, Matt Turner, just to actually own some that doesn't take God knows how long to come and cost God knows how much to send. That is my dream. And I don't think that is too much of a dream to ask, Matt. No, and by all means, folks, let's get those those Queen Quest hoodies. That's got every member's of their name on the back that you can't get anywhere. From what I understand, they sold out and sold out fast. There's a lot of people over here in the States that want those hoodies. And you know who's one of them? Matt Turner, me. So let's get on that. Let's let's re-up that so I can drop some ridiculous amount of money for the hoodie and the $40 to ship it from Japan to the States. But I don't care. I want one of those hoodies. I imagine that if they bring them over for Philly Mania, it's going to be a whole host of people buying them. And I imagine they will sell out super, super quick. Um, let's kick into our reviews for this week. Then, as I said, Stardom had something of a double header over the week at Palmy Corrigan Hall on the 14th and the 17th. We'll start with night one, which was on Valentine's Day, 14th of February 2024. Stardom in Corrigan 24. February night one, Corrigan Hall, 690 people in attendance. Your results are as follows. Singles match, Mirai defeats Rani Yagami with the Scorpion Deathlock in 8 minutes and 36 seconds. Another singles match, Unimus Mori defeats Mei Sakurai with the Tropicana in 5 minutes and 56 seconds. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Uh, in another singles match, Utami Hayashishta defeats her Queen's Quest stablemate Lady C with the German suplex in 9 minutes and 14 seconds. Six-person tag, a weather tag team of Fukikin Death, Rina and Ruaka defeated the Queen's Quest team of Sayakamatani, Azumi and Miyu Amasaki. Rina pinning Miyu with the diving double knee drop in 12 minutes and 23 seconds. Six-person tag, God's Eye, Styori, Saki, Kashima and Amisori defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Sayaka Kurora and Sayori Anu with Siori submitting Sayaka Kurora in with a sleeper hold in 12 minutes and 45 seconds. Easily the match of the show for me, the 10-person elimination tag match, EXV, Mika Mina Shirakawa, Wakasuki Yama, Hanako and Zena defeating the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, Hanan, Yuzuki and Saya Ida. Mina Shirakawa last eliminating Mayu Iwatani with the figure four driver Mina. Both Mika and Mina will have standing at the end in 21 minutes and 38 seconds. And then in your main event, six-person tag, Meisei, Suzu Suzuki and Julia defeat to the Awedatai team of Natsuka Tora, Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid. Julia pinning Tora with the Northern Lights bomb in 14 minutes and 54 seconds. Matt, I know that we are going to be talking a lot about that elimination tag match because it was fantastic. But before we do, what else around this show would you like to talk about? I really liked Utami and Lady C. I like this kind of inner faction warfare of like you have like your top obviously utami is the leader of queen's quest but i'd like it if the, if we would see more of this like hey i want to get my faction to get better iron sharp sharpens iron let me the leader go up against one of the newer and younger members of this faction to get them better i like that like i'd love to see a mayu versus yuzuki match i would love to see like a momo versus rena match i would love to see a uh, sherry versus a uh arana match i thought that was really really a really you know something different than afterwards you know they shake hands and be like hey this is you know i'm going to teach you how to get better and the best way to do it is to fight you in front of a live audience i thought it was very well done i thought utami gave lady c a lot i think lady c's one one of the more underrated wrestlers in this company. And I thought that, uh, you know, for the 10 minutes it was in the ring, I thought it was excellent. I thought they, uh, again, you're in Cork and Hall, pretty much Stardom's unofficial home. Utami's one of the pillars of this company, regardless of where she's going to, what company she's going to be in. And the next few months for her to give, to shine up Lady C like that, I think it just makes Lady C and Queen's Quest a better faction, Rob. We've always said that Queen's Quest versus Queen's Quest are the best interfaction matches. They do interfaction matches better than anyone else does. 
Um, and I think it's just because they have that understanding that yes, we're stable mates, but we are only going to get better if we go hell for leather at each other. And it did feel very much like Utami taking Lady C under her wing. And I like that. I really like that sort of that mentorship in Queen's Quest. It's similar to what she had with Momo Watanabe back in 2018 and 2019. So the fact that she's willing to pass on that knowledge then to Lady C is really cool. And like you said, the singles match itself was great. I thought Utami, you know, led the match incredibly well. But you're right, Lady C perhaps doesn't get the plaudits that she does deserve because she's a solid worker. You know, maybe she's not one of those that's going to crack the main event or even, you know, the semi-main event. But she is a solid, reliable hand in that sort of lower mid-card, mid-card area that you know what you're going to get with her. And it's always solid. And she's another one that has improved mightily over the last two years, Matt. Yeah, again, really, really good stuff. And other than the elimination tag match, the co-main event and the main event, I thought the um, Cosmic Angels versus God's Eyes match was really good, especially with Sherry giving, you know, we talked about, we just talked about Utami giving Lady C a lot. Sherry giving Sayaka Karora a lot towards the end. I thought it was really, really good. And considering the fact that poor Sayaka Karora in these last handful of matches she's had, she's just getting her butt whooped. I mean, you had to get, you know, in the match that she uh, had against Tam Nakano, Last week, Tam just beat the bejesus out of her. And then afterwards, like, can I join the faction? Uh, which I thought was cool. And then Sherry, Sherry holds nothing back, but she gives Sayaka Karora a lot in this match. Um, I thought both factions worked well together. I thought all participants in this match worked really, really hard. And it, it really made for a great finish. And I like, I don't know if you noticed this, Rob, the last three matches that Sherry's won, she's all won with the sleeper or the rear naked choke. So I like that she's using a very simple, you know, catch wrestling, jiu-jitsu submission hold, you know, very like uh, jiu-jitsu, you know, 101, one of the very first submissions or chokes that you learn is the rear naked choke. Obviously, we know that she can do, uh, she's great at a whole bunch of submissions, but like the easiest one to get on, the most effective is, is the rear naked choke. So it's nice to see that she's putting this submission hold into our already dangerous game. So I thought that was really, really cool that we're building up the sleeper hold, the rear naked choke from Shiri. Yeah, she seems to have been using this a lot more, which, again, you know, the more you expand your arsenal, the more the more exciting a match can become because you don't necessarily know how a match is going to end. If you look at that run of Julia, I believe in the 2022 five-star, where she, I think she won every single block match with a different move at one point. So, you know, and Suri has an absolute litany of submission moves that she's able to win a match with, and it makes her so dangerous. But the fact that she eats that spear from Sayaka Karora, who is another one who is improving all the time. Again, and I say it every episode, it feels like, she was the one of the um, the rookies that I was least excited about. Not in a horrible way, but, you know, I was really excited about Yuzuki because she didn't feel like a rookie. Really excited about Rani Yagami because she came with that sort of shoot-fighting mentality, that Shuri style. And Sayaka Karura just felt like, you know someone who was solid but didn't really have an identity and now i think with 
being added to Cosmic Angels is an absolute no-brainer. Yes, she is probably going to eat a significant amount of pinfalls. She's one of the only people left this year who hasn't had a single victory in stardom, one of those being Hina and the other being Tekla, both who have been out with respective injuries. So it's probably only going to get worse before it gets better, but from an in-ring standpoint, Sayaka Karora, I think, is improving at a rapid rate of knots and it's really really cool to see you know you look who she's in the ring with there Tam Nakano and Sioriano the way that she is going to improve with those two is really going to be a sight to behold but I'm sick of waiting Matt let's talk about this elimination tag match because as fantastic as this match was as well structured as everything was as much as everyone got their licks in everyone had their moment to shine for me, this match is about one person, and that one person is Saya Ida. Because there's that one point when Mayu is completely out of it on the outside, and effectively, Saya Ida is taking on both Micah and Mina Shirakawa on her own. Take away for a moment how much Saya Ida's lariats have improved, and how she pretty much beheads anyone with those lariats she throws. And we'll be talking about how big those lariats are that she threw in the New Blood tag match in a moment. But here, I thought she was tremendous. The work that her and Hannon put in together against Wakasuki Armour in the early goings, and then her resilient underdog babyface um, sort of performance against Mina and Micah, it was because of this weekend that... I actually think, you know what, if she did win the Cinderella, she thoroughly deserves it because she felt like a star here. She was eliminated after Hazuki. She was eliminated after Hanan. She was eliminated after Yuzuki. At one point, I completely forgot that Mayu hadn't already been eliminated. I thought it was Sai Reader against the world. However, Mina Shirakawa, Micah, EXV felt like a real force. Yeah, I thought Xena looked fantastic. The powerbomb elimination to Hazuki looked really, really cool. Um, overall, I thought every single woman, with perhaps, and this is no disrespect, without, with perhaps Wakasuki Armor, who was eliminated first, didn't really get a significant amount of time to get her move set in. I thought everybody, apart from that, had their chance and took it with both hands. This match was fantastically entertaining not quite my match of the weekend and i call it a weekend i know it was a wednesday but you know what i mean so the the double header it's very very close run thing though i thought this was tremendous built mina up as a genuine threat towards mayu mayu selling like an absolute star for mina and micah but again this match all about say reader four and a quarter stars absolutely loved it matt Wow, I'm going to go right off the first thing. You liked it more than I did. I loved it. I had it four stars. So it's very rare that you have a star rating higher than me, but I completely understand and agree with that. Obviously, you made a lot of really good points. Um, let's put over Walker a little bit, right? Um, really good feed and sell for that lyric, was it not? <laughs> Holy jeez. She, honestly, uh... <laughs> I don't know who took the lariats better, Chan Yota or Wakasukiyama, but both sold them like they'd been hit by respective boats. Honestly, Sayurida is getting so good, and I'm so happy that she's getting the recognition that we have been championing for so long on this podcast. Yeah, uh, you tied, you know, Hazuki, her and Mike had a really good stretch there. Now yes. we kind of have an idea 
Well, I think we would know if I asked you a month ago, hey, what would a Micah versus Suzuki World of Stardom Championship match be? And you'd be like, awesome and make money, Matt. What's wrong with you? But we got the them going back and forth with a really hot cork and uh, crowd. And then you just see Suzuki just getting tossed over the top rope. And Micah did a very great job being making it look badass, but also being very safe with it as well. So when you can have a, there's a reason why she's the World of Stardom champion. There's a reason why she's been a main eventer for the last two years. There's her stuff looks awesome, but you know, she's being safe with it. And that power bomb thing, that was a really, really cool elimination. That's something you just didn't see coming out of nowhere. You do see Micah pick her up. You thought, oh, she's going to go for a power bomb or as she's getting towards the rope. We've seen the spot a thousand times that Hazuki's going to do a Rana and maybe both of them are going to eliminate each other because, you know, this match is really built to build up the Mina versus Mayu championship match. And pretty much every time you get in these elimination matches, there's only one sole survivor. So this, this is the rare time that was, there, there was two, which I really like because EXV is kind of the shiny new toy for stardom. You have Mina as the number one contender versus Mayu and you have Mikey, you, your new world of stardom champion. So I like that fact that they kind of went away from their original formula of just having one sole survivor. And again, it makes sense. But yeah, Saida here, you made her when you're literally when they're putting this match together and if you didn't see this match and just kind of read the result you're like okay this match was to just really put mina over really strong going into her championship uh challenge against mayu because the last two eliminations is saida tapping out to the figure four and then uh mina pinning mayu with the figure four driver so it's like mina gets the last two eliminations but saida just absolutely look like a star in this match like we know what mayu is we know what hazuki is we know what hanan is and going to be we know what micah and mina are xena is fantastic i really liked her work last year in club venus we just didn't get to see enough of it we're here she's just you know the little bit that we've seen of her since she's been back she's been nothing but aces and fits perfectly in her role in exv i thought she was great hanako was great and uh the finish kind of caught me off surprise. Again, if I just read the results of this, that Mina and Micah were the final two, uh, the, the final two people that I would have been like, okay, well, Mayu got eliminated over the top rope. You know this route probably better than anybody. Mayu outside of the five-star Grand Prix matches, Mayu does not eat a lot of clean pinfalls in Cork and Hall. I mean, we would really have to dive deep into the Wayback Machine to find out when Mayu ate a clean pinfall, non-five-star. Obviously, the five-star, they do. They can't protect everybody. Not every match can be a time limit draw. But I can't remember the last time Mayu ate a one, two, three in the middle of the ring on a Corican show, which goes to show you how much stock they're putting into this Mina versus Mayu match. The psychology was brilliant. The storytelling was great. Uh, everybody played their part very well. This was very well done. And considering the fact you have 10 wrestlers in this match, you can kind of get a little crazy. And the fact that it started out with a quick brawl and that the stars did the five-way boot scrapes. And you're just like, oh, geez, if they're kind of coming at each other a certain way or if somebody's a half a step up, off, it can look like a car crash. And it didn't. And I'm like, that's how we started this match. And it just built and built and got brought down and got built again. I thought this was absolutely perfect. And the fact they were able to tell this story and get so many things over in this match in 21 minutes 
is just a credit to all 10 of these phenomenal wrestlers. I thought it was a really cool story that they were telling, the fact that you had at one point, so you started off with stars showing off their superior teamwork. They have been a faction for longer. They know each other better, and they were almost trying to shove that in EXV's face. Look how good a team we are. And then eventually EXV start again on the same page. you got Micah and uh, Mina Shirakawa, who so many people have been talking about not being able to coexist as co-leaders. Suddenly they were tagging in and out quickly and isolating certain members you've got xena coming in and using her power you've got hanako using hers overall i thought exv came across as a really well oiled unit and i thought it was really cool that stars were the one to drag that out of them almost but yeah everyone deserves plaudits for this match this is one of my favorite matches from stardom this year which i know is uh i know is a a big thing to say, especially when you consider how many matches of the year Stardom have already put on, in our humble, humble opinion. But yeah, I thought this was absolutely great. Uh, Matt, I know you wanted to talk about the main event, though. Yeah. Boy, I really love Crazy Star as a team. I mean, let's just go right into the finish. I thought, with Tora eating the L here, considering last week she pinned Julia clean in the middle of the ring to build towards the match we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. You know, uh, Cork and Hall just a handful of days later with Tora challenging Julia for the uh, IWGP uh, Strong Women's Strong Championship. But I liked how they literally had to throw everything at Tora. You had Crazy Star hitting their tag team finish. You know, the Suzu uh, May, the lung blower into the German suplex. And then Julia just dumps Tora on her head with a Northern Lights bomb. I thought that was a great finish. A good way to make Tora strong that it was just like, yeah, you know what? Julia may have pinned me here, but she's not going to have Suzu and May, you know, in her back pocket to help her out, you know, come, uh, come Friday. So I thought that was a really good story to tell. And Momo and Starlight Kid, the little interactions they had with Crazy Star, that's a match I definitely want to see somewhere, definitely sooner than later, with like maybe going 15 or 20 minutes. I thought these two teams worked really well together. Obviously, the main crux of this match. And again, it's smart booking. You know, this is your main event here. We're coming back in three days with a singles match between Julia uh, uh, Julia and Tora for the strong title online, uh, on the line in a no-DQ match. They did a great job building that match up to kind of sell more tickets. And then you're just, and then you, you know, you're kind of side dishes as Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid versus Suzu Suzuki and May Sarah, which I thought was great. May was great. Suzu was great. We got some more Suzu versus Momo violence. I will never say no to that. But I thought this was a solid match. It was my second favorite match of the show. I had it at three and three fourth stars and a good way to send the, uh, the fans home happy. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned obviously people taking pins, even though Julia. You know, everyone knows that Julia's leaving. Everyone knows now that Julia will be one of those leaving in March. So ultimately, you don't really need to protect Julia. Even so, getting a pinfall victory over Julia is still a huge, huge deal because it still does not happen. So for Tora to get that victory in Fuji pinning julia clean with the swan i mean i say clean she literally ate so many finishes from a weather type even so you know pinning her in the middle of the ring it just doesn't happen um so even after julia pins tora clean here you still thought there's a chance there's a chance i mean you mentioned my Udani. i don't think i think this might have been her first pinfall all year i don't think she's eaten a single pinfall all year which is quite impressive considering I think we're on 19 events now. 
So getting a pinfall over Mayu Iwatani, a non-tournament pinfall over Mayu Iwatani is pretty much unheard of, especially over the last four four years, definitely, Matt. Yeah, and you did a really good job making it mean something. Mm. You know, the fact that uh, that they don't, she doesn't eat a lot of pinfalls, but ate one, and it really, you know, you kind of just turn your head and be like, oh, and I understand the reason for it, the psychology behind it. So, uh, yeah, really good stuff, a solid, solid uh, Corkin show. And you're absolutely right. It wouldn't have meant the same had Mina just thrown Mayu over the top rope. A definitive move in the middle of the ring. Plus, you know for a fact that you are going to get a phenomenal near fall now with that figure four driver Mina. For any Stardom fan who watches every single show, you've seen Mayu Iwatani, the most resilient person in Stardom, who, by the way, in this interview, sorry to come back to it, in this interview, the interviewer says, how would you describe Mayu Iwatani? This was the first question of the interview. Mayu Iwatani's answer, zombie. (laughs) (laughs) And the person who's transcribed the interview has captured the interviewer's reaction perfectly by just going, a what? what and mayu then has to explain the whole zombie mayu lore and the fact that she's got two sides um the zombie mayu and the killer mayu and you never know who you're gonna get love that thought it was brilliant so the fact that you're able to keep the most resilient wrestler in stardom down that's a big deal for mina so you know that move is gonna be very very hotly contested in Sapporo and I cannot wait to see it um so we then moved on to Stardom in Corrigan night 2 17th of February 2024 uh, Corrigan all Tokyo a very very healthy 956 people in attendance which is one of the larger Corrigan crowds that Stardom have had in a good few months um it was a pay-per-view Matt um it was a cut price pay-per-view how do you think this card came off? Do we were quite we were quite negative. Let's 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 say it is it is. We were quite negative about the fact that Stardom were putting on a card that was a pay-per-view that was quite weak on paper. Did Stardom surpass your did Stardom surpass well, your sorry. expectations, Matt? Yes, they did. And one, one, one reason is, okay, there's a pay-per-view. I know I'm going to have to get up at 2 or 3 in the morning. So I go and buy the pay-per-view, and I realize it's 9.30 on a Friday night. So I was like, oh, sweet. I don't have to get up early. I just got to stay up a little bit later. Now, I just want to put my wife over just for a moment. I fell asleep on the couch around maybe 8, 8.30. At 9.15, she woke me up. She's like, doesn't the stardom show start soon? And I go, what time is she? She's like, it's quarter after 9. I said, yes, it does. Starts in 15 minutes. She's like, okay, uh, just let you know that I uh, I made you a treat. And over by where I sit on my dinner table, she made me a coffee and fresh baked chocolate chip cookies to keep me up for the stardom show, which I just thought was just the nicest thing. So that even exceeded my expectations even more, Rob. But uh, as far <laughs> as this, the show in a bubble, absolutely. I thought this was well worth my money. I thought that if I was in Cork and Hall and I paid $50, $60 for a ticket, I'm just using that as a as a price range because that's what we paid for for our, our Philly shows, uh, for, the, for the Philly show on the 4th. If I paid $50, $60 for a uh, Cork and Hall ticket, I would have got my money's worth. I thought the show was very solid, and they gave us two championship matches. We knew we were going to be good, 
but I don't think anybody expected them to be this good. Really blown out of the water on how great those two matches were, especially with that main event being something completely different from anything, not only on this card, but the Corican show that we just reviewed on Valentine's Day. It really, really stood out. So, yeah, we were kind of like shoehorning a pay-per-view. I understand it's a it's a, it's a cheaper price. It's on literally three or four days' notice. The card kind of just looks like meh. But really, everybody worked really well. Every match was really good. And again, those two title matches were alone well worth double my money. So uh, as per usual, stardom always delivers on pay-per-view. Yeah, it, it surpassed my wildest expectations. And to be perfectly honest, I've come round to the idea that if Stardom are going to do this for Corrigan Hall, you know, make them pay-per-views, but make them cut price and have those title matches on there. We've already had announced that the future of Stardom title is going to be defended on a random show later on next week. So use Corrigan Hall as, you know, somewhere where titles that don't often get defended or don't get defended enough, get them defended on these shows, okay? it You know, you've proved that even a B-level, C-level pay-per-view, which is effectively what this was, can still garner a positive reaction because all of the comments that I have seen about this pay-per-view have been positive, okay? Yes, we've had to fork out some money for it. Yes, that's not ideal in today's climate. Yes, I understand that. However, for a cut price pay-per-view, I think Stardom did a tremendous job here because there was two or three absolutely fantastic matches and I'm very, very excited to talk about them. So let's get into it. We open with the tag match. The Iweratai team of Starlight Kid and Ruwaka, just before they ran off to New Japan, defeated the Queen's Quest team of Lady C and Azumi. Starlight Kid submitting Lady C with the Black Tiger leg killer in nine minutes and three seconds. Singles match, Suzu Suzuki defeats Rana Yagami with the Yokobari Rock in 7 minutes and 49 seconds. Another singles match, Maysera defeating Wakasukiyama with the Shooting Star after ruthlessly attacking Wakasukiyama's bum in 6 minutes and 55 seconds. Six-woman tag match, the Queen's Quest team of Miyu Amasaki, Sai Kamatani and Utami Hayashista defeated the Iwadatai team of Momo, Watanabe, Fukin Death and Rina. Miyu Amasaki pinning Rina with two consecutive Tenzais in 11 minutes and six seconds, setting up that aforementioned Future of Stardom championship match next week. Eight-woman tag match next. The God's Eye team of Suri, Marai, Amisori, and Saki Kashima defeated the Stars team, Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, Kogama, and Yuzuki. Suri again submitting Yuzuki with that sleeper hold in 14 minutes and 17 seconds. The New Blood tag team titles on the line next. Wingori making their second successful title defense. Hanan and Sayurida defeating the team of Chanyota and May Sakurai. Sayurida, yes, getting the pinfall over Chanyota with the beat a master in 18 minutes and 54 seconds. Six-woman tag match followed that. EXV team of Mina Shirakawa, Micah, Hanako, and Zena. Sorry, that's eight women. I can't read. Defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Siorianu, Yunamiz Mori, and Sayaka Karora. Micah pinning Sayaka Karora with the Lariat in 13 minutes and four seconds. And then in your main event, a match that was made a no-DQ match just before the pay-per-view, the New Japan Strong Women's Championship on the line. Julia defeating Natsukatora with the Northern Lights bomb in 16 minutes 
and 23 seconds. Matt, I know that we're going to be talking about that new blog tag title match because it's phenomenal. I know that we're going to be talking about the New Japan Strong Women's Championship match because it was a car crash. What else should people be checking out on this pay-per-view? What were your highlights? Just to kind of just run through match one and two, by no means is it Mayu versus Shuri from the beginning of this year. But you have Starlight Kid and Nozumi in the ring, right? So that's always fantastic and a great way to start this pay-per-view. And, the, and when the graphic was up that this was going to be the opener, I'm like, why is this the opener? And you realize that uh, Starlight Kid and Ruwaka have to run over to the uh, Fantastic Mania show. Great way to start the show. And if you haven't seen it yet, check out the choke slam that Lady C does on poor Starlight Kid. Starlight Kid is just like, hey, I don't care that I'm wrestling in New Japan in an hour. I'm going to bump all over the place for Lady C. Again, a great showing. Lady C did, Lady C did eat two L's in these Corkin shows. But she was shined up really well. Again, the match with Utami and Starlight Kid made Lady C look really good here. Again, uh, Ruaka was great as well. Anytime you get a Zumi and Starlight Kid in the ring, you're always going to have, you know, must-see pro wrestling. And uh, Rana Yugami versus Suzu Suzuki. This is a perfect match for the rookie Rana Yugami. She hits hard. She takes hard hits. She's great at feeding for strikes at such a young age and for being so early into a wrestling career. And you know Suzu's going to bring it. You know Suzu's going to give the rookie a lot of uh, offense as well. This was very hard hitting, a very simple story to tell. Both match one and two, I gave three and a half stars. And, uh, yeah, partner, I guess let's just get into it. Let's talk about the New Blood Tag Team Championship. And I didn't know it went that long. I knew it got some time, but the fact that it almost went 19 minutes just goes to show that uh, Stardom is putting a lot of stock in Hanan and Saida. And I thought, oh, my Sakurai, for someone who basically, you know, she's a mid-carder. She's, she's, she's improved very much in the ring. Chan Yoda is not part of the normal Stardom roster. We really only see her on some New Blood shows and a few Stardom shows here and there. So we don't get to see these two team up that much, but they were great as a team. Hanan's fantastic. But I don't think anybody's going to argue with me. Not only was Saida the MVP of this match, I thought she was the MVP of this entire show. That part where her and Chan Yoda are just going back and forth with strikes and they both get double underhooks and they both look at each other and like, well, we don't have hands to chop and form each other. What are we going to do? And they just start headbutting each other. And then you see just like the, hema, the little mini hematoma that Saida has on her head, and then the little bit of blood trickling down from her nose, and the fact that her hair was all over the place, and the fact that she was the victor, she looked like a modern-day samurai. Like, she just looked so bad-ass there at the finish, you know, with the belt and the trophy. But, uh, yeah, brother, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this, because this tag match was just, wow. I mean, just, oh, I knew it was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be this good. And this is kudos to all four wrestlers and to the two teams and to the stardom booking committee. They could have given this match 10, 11 minutes and it would have been fine. But the fact that they gave them almost 19 minutes in Cork and Hall on a pay-per-view, that's awesome. I mean, there's very little to add to that. I thought Sayurida and Chan Yota in particular were absolutely tremendous. Chan Yota, of course, who, as you've already mentioned, we've only ever really seen in a New Blood setting. But here, I thought she felt right at home. Her and Sayurida, you know, you'd have been forgiven a New Blood title match. You'd just assume that we're just going to get sort of a pose off, um, you know, look how jacked I am, look how jacked I am. But instead, they, they just launched into each other. Sayurida is throwing these meat hooks like there is 
No tomorrow. Shan Yota is hauling people around the ring. She's improved so much, like a huge amount. And then you've got Mei Sakurai, who, again, was so used to seeing now in this comedy ladyship character, which is brilliant in fairness. Yet here, for a start, she didn't come out wearing the hat, which in itself was a negative on the match. Where's the hat, <laughs> Um But, you know, it's instantly rectified by the fact that she didn't do the elbow drop. Um, I think even she had an edge to a one that was called out by Hannon at the end of the match, um, saying, you know, you don't have to be the ladyship all the time you know i've had a match with you now and i want to have another one where you are just yourself and even she was getting drawn into this sort of increased brutality and then yeah there was that headbutt which was utterly sickening um to, i think it did sort of rock um Sayuridra a little bit but overall Wingori are one of the greatest tag teams in stardom at the moment they're so much fun to watch they're so slick as a machine and I'd argue there's only really Aphrodite that are as slick and as oiled as Wingori are I want to see them tag more I would love to see Wingori win this year's tag league again there's so much up in the air post-march but if we were to have the same roster, I would be clamoring, A, to let Wingori actually tag together during the tag league. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, but for them to win the tag league and to go. Just imagine a Wingori versus Aphrodite Goddesses of Stardom Championship match given 15, 20 minutes. Just imagine Utami and Sayurida landing lariats on each other. Just imagine Hanan versus Saya Kamatani. Oh, the thought of it makes me very, very happy. But this surpassed even my wildest expectations. I'm a huge Wingori fan. I'm a huge Saida fan. I'm a huge Hanan fan. But I wasn't sure where we would stand with Chan Yota, who is relatively inexperienced and not used to stardom as a whole. May Sakurai, again, who is a lower mid-card comedy character at the moment. However, everyone was absolutely fantastic here everyone raised their game Saya Ida and Hannon again showed why they are two of the quickest rising stars in stardom and I cannot wait if they stay with stardom I cannot wait to see what the rest of this year holds for them because I truly do think you cannot ignore Saya Ida after these two shows I truly don't think you can have Saya Ida go back now to just the token pin eater in stars she has to be elevated, whether that is to the Goddesses of Stardom Championships once, Wing once Wingori dropped the New Blood titles, or whether that is to a white belt shot. Hell, why not do that? Why not put that on a Corican? doesn't have to be a pay-per-view, but I think Sayurida cannot be ignored as a real star in the making because these were two star-making performances, and this one especially, Matt. Yeah, I, I got two little uh, fantasy booking ideas. But before I do, Rob, I just want to know your uh, stardom uh, star scale rating. I had it at four and a quarter stars. Um, so let me check. The exact same, I believe. Um, yes, the exact same. So now, Rob, you mentioned a very good point. If we can go to stay together, that'd be awesome if they win the tag league tournament. I'm going to do one better. So, say they go to the final, say they're wrestling Black Desire, and they come out to wish you happy Migo Sunshine, whatever it is. Why, why, why? Why have you got to ruin hold what on, was a really on, good match? On. 
hold on, hold on. I'm not, I'm not done. Hold on, I'm not. I'm gonna break it down and build it back up. Break it so down. So they come out to that thing. Hold on, break it down. Done. There's our <laughs> DX reference. And then Hanan gets the pinfall over Momo Watanabe with the Hanan special. They win the tournament and they play. Dun, 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 dun. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. And that's how we bring back the old Hanan theme as now, because now it's like your new championship theme, because that was like her theme when she was future of stardom championship. So maybe that's, maybe that's an, a, an idea, Rob. See how I brought it down? I got you on the negative and then quickly 180 you. So I, I know your heart buttons, my man. Let me tell you. Thank what a, you. What a partner. I, what a partner I am. But he, and I was even thinking about this. The next day, when because uh, I eat again, two star making performances in the unofficial home of Stardom and Cork and Hall. I think what you need to do now with Saida is like you clearly can't deny her anymore. She's fantastic on these quote unquote house shows. Now, they usually do two in a row, either a Friday and a Saturday or a Saturday and Sunday. And it's very rare that you get like the singles matches. What I would do now is, and we mentioned it last week, that you're obviously going to have a big hole for in the roster when it comes to the five star Grand Prix, depending on who's going, who's staying, who's leaving. I think you have to look at Saida to be like, okay, not only if she does stay, and again, we don't know that if she stays, we're going to put her in the five-star Grand Prix, and she's going to want one. She's going to be one that we want to elevate. Maybe not to have 10, 12 wins, maybe our 10, 12 points, maybe to have six points, seven points, eight points, but to have banger matches. And how we can kind of maybe sink or swim, engage that is on these quote-unquote house shows. Let's just say they're running a Friday and Saturday. Let's put her against Mina on night one, give her 14 minutes, and give her Mike on night two and give her 14 minutes. And then the next week, let's give her Utami on night one and Sai Kamatani on night two. Start putting, and then not only that, it's going to make these house shows mean a little bit more because now we have Saida, the clear, in my opinion, and apparently yours, the clear MVP of these two Corkin shows. And now we're going to be putting her in singles matches on these, again, quote-unquote house shows against the Suzu Suzuki, against the Julia, against the Micah, against Amina, to see how well she's going to fare to kind of get a gauge at where you can be with with Saida coming out of the five-star Grand Prix this year. I think that that's what they would do, or what they should do. And I know me, you, and a lot of other people were really excited to see some really banger uh, Saida uh, singles matches on these quote-unquote house show matches with some time to it. And I think that's the thing. We saw what exposure like that can do for the likes of Hanan, for the likes of Mina Shirakawa, for the likes of Mariah May as well um, last year. So to give her that, what you don't want to do is to put Saida in the five star as a token gesture and then have her get two points and be everyone's whipping person. Which, you know, we have seen before when, you know, Saida was less experienced, admittedly, but we've seen that happen. We don't want that to happen now. Sayuri does prove that if you give her the nod, like so many people on Stardom's roster, she is able to go. Give her six points. You know, give her eight. Have her have two statement victories. You know, and like you said, Matt, against the likes of a Micah, she obviously doesn't need to pin the Repel champion, but, you know, against the likes of a Micah, against the likes of a Utami, against the likes of a Suri, you know, it's going to be fantastic. Can you imagine a decent singles match now between Momo Watanabe and Saida? Oh, the it, violence. The, the violence will be off the charts. Her versus Tora, even, because we've seen what Tora can do when she's motivated. Legitimate badass. So genuinely, her versus Saida would be a really tasty matchup that I would be all for. Suzu Suzuki. Suzu Suzuki. Oh, boy. There you go. I mean, the possibilities are endless. 
So give her the time she deserves. And I think she's, you know, she's been with the company since 2018. 2019? I think she debuted early 2019. So she's been with the company. She's paid her dues. She's had that horrible injury. She's come back from that. She's got even better. So let's give her that opportunity. I'm not saying push her into the red belt picture. Obviously not. I'm not even saying that you have to push her into the white belt picture. But push her regardless. Keep this trajectory going. You've built a little bit of a fire. Let's keep it going. Um, Matt, obviously the main event is what people are talking about as well. Uh, Julia versus Natsuka Tora. Um, I was a little bit, a little bit reticent when they announced this match because the last time these two faced off in a no DQ match, um, it was awful. Um, it was on the 10th anniversary card um, for the white belt and it struggled for identity, basically. They weren't sure whether they wanted to do a comedy match or a hardcore match. And what we got was something that wasn't either. And it really suffered for that. It was probably the worst show on the card and it was certainly Julia's worst white belt defense. Here, there was no such problem. Here, it was very, very clear from the get-go, there is no nonsense, we are here to hurt each other. We are going to throw everything we can at each other. It is going to be a wild brawl. It's probably not going to go 20 minutes. We are just going to hurt each other. And the match benefited spectacularly from the fact that both women were on the same page here. And I thought overall, there was just enough to keep it in that hardcore stance without being over the top and stupid. I really liked this match. Matt really liked it. Yeah, when they announced that it was no DQ, I had a bunch of people uh, messaging me think, oh boy, is this going to be a rehash of what happened in their match like a handful of years ago? And my immediate response was no. Tora is a completely different and better wrestler. Mm -hmm. And so is Julia. And it's the main event of a pay-per-view where it's it's just going to be the last thing that you're going to see. So I had, you know, obviously that did cross my mind for about a half a second. And, uh, for once, Rob, I was right. I was right. Uh, this match, literally, as soon as the bell rings, you have a forearm exchange. And then it goes right to the Oedo tie-style brawl. Because as I'll, you always say, partner, Oedo tie's got Oedo tie. Always. And I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but I had very, especially in the first three or four minutes of this match, I had very strong Julia versus Hana Kimura vibes. Uh, as far as like that brawl goes, it was almost seemed like it was like copy and paste from their opening moments of their match at uh, year-end climax in 2019. Which is a, it's not a good thing. That's a great thing because that match is a, is a clear standout and really the one that really set Julia onto the path that we see her now. A really good launching part for her uh, professional wrestling career. But Tora, who has, um, you know, since she came back from injury a year and a half ago, they did a great job building her up in the five star Grand Prix. Had a good but not great match with Tam Nakano for the Red Belt. We're kind of just going to see where she was going to be here. You can put Tora in these main event matches, especially if you kind of have the relaxed rules because she really benefits from kind of being that wild, like Bruiser Brody style brawler. I mean, we have the great wrestlers, the great high flyers, the great high speed wrestlers. Where when Tora's doing this style, she stands out pretty much more than anybody else on the roster. And when you have a roster that this that's this loaded and this deep and this talented that you can stand out more than anybody else on the roster doing this style, that really is a nod to what Natsuko Tora can do. But uh, yeah, really great stuff. There really wasn't much downtime. I mean, there was your selling, your pacing, but it was just a, a near 16-minute fight for the whole thing. And then we get that table spot with Julia Powell driving uh, to our Tora through the table, which I thought was great. And then they used part of the table 
very much kind of like, and I always get uh, Magnum TA, Tully Blanchard, uh, I quit cage match vibes, where they take a, something that is already broken and they go back to it. And it's just, an, and I don't think it was meant to be this way, but it was, it made it for an awesome visual with Julia putting the piece of table through Tora's head. I, mean, I thought that was a really great shot. Literally the point where it's just like, if you're in a real fight and that happens, you're probably going to take the piece of table and try to choke the other person with it. Where Julia almost seemed like stunned by it for like two seconds and was like, oh, what do I do? I don't think that was supposed to happen. And of course she needs to be safe because you have this sharp object, you know, with the wooden pieces around Tora's neck and her throat. So it's just like, oh, geez. Um, I thought that was really cool. I like the fact that uh, Tora hit the glorious driver onto uh, Julia. I thought it was cool. I always think it's cool when you have a feud built up where the other wrestler is using the other wrestler's finish and the other wrestler kicks out of it. Obviously, we've seen Tam and Julia do it um, You know, throughout their feud. I thought this was really cool. And the fact that uh, Julia was able to kick out of one. But then the ultimate, just the ultimate finish is just Julia having to blitz her moves back to back i thought it was great you know with the g trigger and the northern lights bomb and then hits the northern lights bomb onto the piece of broken table so the fact that you have one weapon in this match and it gets used three times in three main parts of the match again the table for the pile driver getting through it then you have the other piece the tape part of the table that breaks off is the uh one that Torres' head goes through, and then ultimately it leads to the finish with Julia using the Northern Lights bomb onto that broken table. Great match, great, great main event to end a really, really, really solid show. Um, I like this one just a little bit better than the tag match we talked about, but I did have it at the four and a quarter stars. See, I actually prefer the tag match, if I'm if I'm being honest. Um, for this... Well, I want you to be, buddy. I don't want you to lie to me. You know, that, that would hurt my feelings. I'm a sensitive guy. I'd never lie to you. I said that very seductively <laughs> then, didn't I? <laughs> said that in the Tom's Tantra way. Um, <laughs> I'd never lie to you, Matthew Turner. Um, no, this was, this was still a really, really, really good match. Um, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The moment where the referee is trying desperately to dislodge this piece of table from Tora's head that she's wearing like some sort of Tudor ruff. Um, was absolutely brilliant and really did encapsulate what the two women were trying to do. It's a hardcore match, so of course, you know, a weather got a weather tie, but Julia's got a Julia as well, which means pile driver through the table. Uh, it always happens, it's got to happen. Um, <laughs> what I did like, and this this is just a purely silly reason, but there's a moment where obviously Tora cuts Julia's hair, um, but obviously, as we all know, it's not Julia's real hair, it's the uh, dreadlocks. But <laughs> <laughs> the way she'd cut these dreadlocks meant that whenever Julia stood up, she would just have this little pineapple thing going on on top of her head, and it would really pounce about as she's running. And honestly, I found it really funny, and it took away from the seriousness of the match a little bit for me. I'd br- it proper tickled me. Um, but yes, really, really good match. I give it four stars again. Thank goodness it wasn't just, as we said, a rehash of their match from two um, two years ago, four years ago, three years ago? Three years ago, it was 2021, wasn't it? Thank God it wasn't just a rehash of that. Both women have progressed immensely, both in character work and in ring. And I'm particularly happy for Tora, who had a really, really rough transition into her leadership of Oedetai. The fact that she's come out of it, you know, out of that massive injury that she had just as she was starting to build up a head of steam, that she's got to a point now where she's actually a genuine threat 
is really something to see, and I'm really happy about that. Um, is there anything else, Matt, on this card that you'd like to talk about before we delve into what is coming up over the next couple of weeks in Stardom? No, but Rob, there is some late-breaking Matt Turner news. Would you like to hear, sir? Uh, no, I'm all right. Let's move on. So, no, of course I do. Of course I do. I just got a text message asking if I want to wrestle in Philadelphia WrestleMania weekend. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, that'll be interesting. However, the date of the show is April 4th. No. The time of the show. <laughs> oh, the time of the show, Rob, is 7 p.m. <laughs> You're joking. No, Andy Hedder just texted me and he said, hey, so-and-so's running a show. They want to book me and you as a tag team Philly weekend. I know you're going to be down there. And I said, what's the details? He's like, it's 4, 4, 7 p.m. When are you doing your podcast? And I literally just sent him the flyer you made last night. And he's like, oh, man, same date, same time. I was like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. So what... I would have brought you in as my manager. I would have got you loaded and brought you in as my manager. Oh, mate, I would have loved that. I'd have been all over that. I'd have been there on the mic like Jim Cornette. I'd have bought out a cricket bat. I'd have had a really crap blazer on, bright yellow trousers. Oh, I'd have been all over that. I'd have I'd been talking nonsense as well in a really high-pitched Louis, uh, Louisville accent. Um, but no, no. It's not to be. It's not to be. But we almost, ladies and gentlemen, because he said someone wants to book him. We know that it's stardom. We know that they want, they, they've been listening. They want Team Blue and Gold versus Black Desire in the Battle of the Colors. That's what they want. Um, Let's move on then to what is coming up in the stardom calendar over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, the big thing, Matt, is the Sapporo show, New Japan, New Beginning in Sapporo, the 23rd of February, where we will be seeing Mayu Iwatani defending the IWGP Women's Championship against Mina Shirakawa. Without elaborating, yes or no, does Mina win this match? No, just because the main reason that they, they built Mina up perfectly, and it would make sense for her to be the next person to you know, carry around the IWGP Women's Championship because she can speak a really good English and she'd be great taking that belt overseas. However, Mayu, you had the movie coming out. Can Mayu promote this movie and the movie do well without the belt? Absolutely. But why take it off her? It's Mayu. She's the best in the world. She's fantastic. This belt, again, we've talked about it pretty much every week on this show for the last, I don't know how long. This belt was kind of doomed to fail. And the fact that she, despite, despite that, has been hitting home run after home run. The fact that this match is happening in a New Japan ring, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Tanahashi is now the president and is kind of pulling a little bit of the political strings, and you know he's a big supporter of Mayu and women's wrestling. But I wouldn't be shocked if Mina wins, but I'm going to say I'm like 75 80% sure that Mayu retains. I am 100% in agreement with you. It would not surprise me. If, you know, if what they're saying is true and Mayu is one of those people that wants to leave the company, obviously we know she's tied down to a bigger contract because of the movie. So there's no imminent need to get the belt off her. However, if you want to put that belt on another stardom wrestler, I can't think of many people that are going to represent you as well 
outside of Japan as someone who is fluently, as as fluent, should I say, in English as Mina Shirakawa, and as instantly recognisable as Mina Shirakawa. Obviously, Matt, you saw Mina when she wrestled at the um, Rumble on 44th Street, and the reaction to her was fantastic. So we know that the reaction overseas would be good to Mina. However, I do think you would be silly to have the belt be taken off Mayu this soon. Um, I say this soon, she's 301 days into the reign with the belt. But just as they are starting to build up title defences for this, you don't want to then have the belt taken off the greatest worker in stardom. I think that would be incredibly silly. Um, We do, as I mentioned before, have a title match coming up in stardom. The 25th of February, Toshigi, we have Rina versus Miyu Amasaki. Now, the reason I brought this up without just reading through the card is because, Matt, I wanted to ask you another question. And the reason I wanted to ask you this is because currently, Rina is the third longest reigning future of stardom champion ever. Okay? 286 days she currently sits at as we record. When she takes on Miyu Amasaki, she'll be on 289 days. If she defeats Miyu Amasaki, she will surpass Hanan into second as longest reigning women's champion, the future of stardom champion, sorry. Do you think Rina defeats Miyu Amasaki or do you think it's Miyu Amasaki's time? I think Rina retains. However, Rob, again, when we previewed uh, Supreme Fight a few weeks ago, they did a great job building Yuzuki up as if, you know, with a head of steam, she's getting all these wins. That is a very good possibility. And why not go with a hot hand? They literally just took, they took what they did with Yuzuki and just did it to Miyu, and it works. And obviously, Miyu's been wrestling longer, um, and they did a great, they're doing a great job in these multi person matches, really, f- with Queen's Quest featuring Miyu. They've done again. They've done a great job building Miyu up that she can take this belt from Rina. So I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm going to say uh, uh, Rina retains. But again, I would not be shocked if there's a uh, if we have a title change this weekend. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I am going to say that Miyu Amasaki takes it. Whoa, I take simply because. I don't really see what Miyu Amasaki does if she doesn't win here. Where does she go next? Yes, she's in a tag team with with Azumi as O2 line, but you know, where does she fit on the Stardom totem pole? Stardom are clearly very very high on Miyu Amasaki. You know, I think she's improved tremendously over the last couple of weeks, uh, last couple of weeks, last couple of months even. Do you then take the belt off Rina? Because, again, once Rina has surpassed Hannon, what else is she going to achieve with the belt? This will be a sixth title defence. She's still four short of breaking Hannon's record. She's a good hundred or so days away from breaking Gutami's record as the longest reigning champion. I can't see them keeping on keeping the belt on her for that long for those reasons. So who is better then? The question you have to ask is who's better to take the belt off her than Miyu Amasaki? So yeah, ultimately I 
I've got to say Mina's taking the belt. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be disappointed should um, should Rina retain, but I don't really see where Miyu Amasaki sits should she lose here. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it does. And, and Miyu Amasaki is one that they want to really uh, get the rocket behind from her debut. You know, she had a first, very much like Yuzuki, she had a really good first few matches and then was hampered with injuries. And the past few months, she's really kind of fitting her groove. But, I mean, if Rina does win, what do you do with Miyu Amasaki? Rob, would you be heartbroken if the next New Blood champions were 0-2 line? You have a big star like Azumi, you know, carrying the New Blood championship banner, and then you're kind of having Miyu with Azumi. It's going to put another spotlight on Miyu. You can do that way. Plus, you know that match is going to be awesome. 0-2 line versus Wingori. There's something that you can do. Um, there's a bunch of different ways you can go about it. I don't think either of them is the wrong decision. I think if you Rina has a little bit longer run, I think that'll be okay. But at the same time, you know, they're doing great stuff building Miyu back up and kind of this is where Stardom wanted her about a year ago. She's improved leaps and bounds in the ring. So it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, who gets the winner, which is great. Like we both pretty much think that that's almost it's close to a lock that Mayu is retaining. How, uh, this weekend. However, we're not sure on this one, which is, makes it even more interesting. But I think we know that this match is going to be fantastic, and it's going to be nice to see Miyu uh, and Rina get more of a spotlight on them. Considering the fact that it's not a pay per view, it's the only championship match on this show, so it's not going to. It's a match that's not going to get lost in the shuffle. It's not one of those. And, and you know, Hanan's future of Stardom Championship run was fantastic, and all of her matches were great. Majority of the matches, if not all of them, were like the opening match on a pay per view. And you're like, wow, that match was great. And then it's like, oh, I had a great Azumi high-speed championship match. There was a great Saya uh, white belt match. There was a great Shuri red belt match. And then you kind of almost forget about it. And again, that's nothing against Hanan. It just goes to show you how great, you know, the top of the card is. But this one, it's not going to get lost in the shuffle, I think. And I could be wrong, partner. From what I've seen, is this built as the main event or like the co-main event? It seems like it's it's higher up on the card. It is higher up on the card. I believe it's the semi-main. The main event for that show is Mayu, Hanan, and Sayurida versus Tam Nakano, Sioriano, and Yuna Mizumori. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jeepers. Yeah. Uh, fine, fine folks at Stardom World, please have that up by Tuesday. So myself and Rob can watch and review it for Wednesday. Oh, man. Um yeah, I think it's going to be an excellent match. I, you know, they're going to give the match time because, it's like I said, it's not a loss and a shuffle on the card. I think it's regardless win, lose, or draw for both these wrestlers, I think it's going to put both Miyu and Rina in a better light, which is ultimately what you want coming off a championship match. So we'll just go through those cards then. Very, very quickly, the last two shows of Stardom in February. The first one is Stardom in Gunma. That is on the 24th, which is the Saturday. Um, start with a three-way match. Saki Kashima versus Fukikin Death versus Hanako. You know Fukikin Death is winning that because it's a multi-woman match. Six-woman tag, Hanan. Uh, Sai Ida and Yuzuki of Stars taking on a weather tie. Uh, Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe and Ruaka. Eight-woman tag action next with Julia, Suzu Suzuki, Mei Seira, and Mei Sakurai taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yuna Mizumori, Siorianu, and uh, Sayaka Kurora. A tag match as a prelude to the future of Stardom Championship. The Queen's Quest team of Utami and Miyu Amasaki taking on Natsuka Tora and Rina. 
six-woman tag team action, Mayu Iwatani, Koguma, um, and Hazuki taking on the Queen's Quest team of Sayakamitani, Azumi, and Lady C. And then in your main event, the EXV team of Mika, Mina Shirakawa, Zena, and Waka Tsukiyama taking on the God's Eye team of Syuri Mirai, Amisori, and Rana Yagami. Matt, is there anything that immediately jumps out from that Gumma show from Saturday? No, it seems like it's going to be another solid, solid car. That main event should be fun because uh, I'm a big fan of Sherry and Micah Violence. That uh, Sherry Micah World of Stardom Championship match they had uh, two years ago is kind of one that flies under the radar that I really, really like. So uh, my my assumption is that Rana, Yagami, Rana is probably going to eat the L there. But it's nice to see like these rookies getting you know main event spots and matches against you know the. Uh, the brass that the, the main eventers of stardom because they're only going to get better but that seems like it's a pretty solid show as well yeah absolutely and finally we have that show from the 25th which i've already talked a little bit about with the future of stardom championship match um we open with a singles match god's eye into faction action amisori versus rana yagami Another three-way match, Azumi versus Suzu Suzuki versus Sayaka Karora. Six-woman tag action, God's Eye, Suri, Mirai, and Taki Kashima taking on the Stars team of Hazuki, um, Koguma, and Yuzuki. Six-woman ta- six tag action, Julia May Sarah and May Sakurai taking on the Queen's Quest team of Utami Hayashishita, Sayaka Matani, and Lady C. We've then got a ten-woman tag, EXV, Mike Mina. Um, Wakasukiyama, Zena, and uh, Hanako taking on the Oedatai team of Nats, Katora, Starlight Kid, Fukikin Death, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka. Semi-main event, Rina versus Miyu Amasaki for the future of Stardom Championship. And then in your main event, as I mentioned before, the Stars team of Mayu, Hanan, and Saida taking on Tam, Sayorianu, and Yuna Mizumori of cosmic angels it is worth noting that i have said that miyu amasaki is going to be taking rena's belt it is worth mentioning that this is toshigi which of course is rena's hometown so there is actually very little chance that they're going to have rena drop the belt in her hometown i'd be very surprised unless that's why this isn't the main event and they are going to have rena drop the belt in her hometown and they're just not going to give her the final address because I'm getting in my own head. Anyway, Matt, (laughs) what else do you think about this card? No, um, yeah, those two matches, and of course, anytime you get some Queen's Quest trios action, I'm always a big fan of. Again, I think that Lady C is going to stand out in that match as kind of the MVP, even though you do have the main eventers of Queen's Quest in that match, both those shows look really, really good, but they, uh, the second show is kind of the one that I'm going to keep an eye out for because as soon as that baby pops up on Stardom World, I can't wait to watch it and review, review it with you uh, next, uh, hopefully next week, partner. Hopefully next week it'll, uh, you know, we'll be able to have time to watch it and uh, review it. Yeah, and finally, Matt, you know what time it is. No, it's uh, Eo and Kyrie. Watch, my friend. Well, hold your breath because this one's going to be a fast one. There is a pre-tape <laughs> promo, and obviously WWE is a multi-billion-dollar company, so they do a great job with their video packages. It's just basically a nice little video package that as we're hyping up as we get to WrestleMania weekend of EO defending the uh, I was going to say World of Stardom Championship. I wish the WWE Women's Championship against one Bailey. And really, the only other thing that happened was, and there was nothing with Io and Kyrie. There was just basically a backstage promo where Bailey was walking backstage, and Dakota Kai comes up to Bailey and says, "Like, 
hey, look, I don't want to harm anybody in damage control. I don't want to harm you. I knew that um, EO and Kyrie were talk and uh, Oscar were talking bad behind your back. But I really thought once you won the Royal Rumble that everything would go back to the way it was when you first started damage control. We all can get along a little bit better. And Bailey says, I understand where you're coming from, but you have to understand where I'm coming from. I don't trust any of them, and I don't trust you. I just need to focus on winning the WWE Women's Championship by defeating one Io Shirai at WrestleMania. And that was it, Rob. And that was it. And I understand, obviously, I want more Io and Kyrie on my WWE TV. But considering the fact that the Women's SmackDown Championship match is all set for WrestleMania, really this week was just building up what's coming up this weekend, the Elimination Chamber. So I understand they just took their TV time, especially for the women, to just build up the matches for the Elimination Chamber to see who goes on to the other night at WrestleMania to challenge Rhea Ripley for the um, the Raw Women's Championship. So, you know, as, as much as I would love to see Io and Kyrie on the TV all the time, I get it while, hey, you know, we have five hours of TV. We have to promote this. As far as women, we have this a lot of time. We already have the SmackDown Women's match already set up. We need to take this week to build up the Elimination Chamber and to give the Rock and Roman Reigns a 20-minute promo at the end. But that's another story for another day, my friend. So that's all we got on EO and Kyrie Watch. It almost sounds, Matt, like you're being bitter. And that doesn't suit you, my friend. You're too Hold positive oh, you know, to be bitter. You, you know what? Let's end it on a positive note. About two hours ago, I got about two hours before we recorded, I got a text message from our editor-in-chief, one Sean Montrose, who will actually be emceeing the Live Stardomcast podcast, where a good friend of his was at the Royal Rumble, dressed up as the Macho Man Randy Savage, and he did a meet and greet with one Io Shirai, and he said Io Shirai was a sweetheart and a fantastic, one of the nicest wrestlers he ever met. So there you go. That's how we're going to end it on a positive note. Beautiful, and just like that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we are at the end of our podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your evening, day, drive, or whatever it is with us talking about stardom. Um, thank you to everyone that has subscribed. If you want to leave us a five star review and a comment, it really, really does help the podcast out. Thank you to everyone that has listed some. We had an absolute flurry of them last week, and they're all really positive. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. If you haven't subscribed, to podcast we can't you can we are literally everywhere you can find us on your podcast app whatever it is that you use our patrons thank you so much to all of you for your incredible support hopefully this new fangled system that we're doing is okay with everyone we've had nothing but positive comments about that but of course if you've got any feedback you know how to get in contact with us patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast for literally oodles of bonus content fans on the social media at the stardom cast um you can also fans on youtube at the stardom cast you can talk to me on twitter at at real rob goodwin matt turner stands off good sir absolutely folks questions comments anything that i can do for you a general chat you would like to have matt turner of on the instagram and or the twitter is the best way to get a hold of me if you don't want to be on social media we completely understand you can shoot me an email at the stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me folks that's gonna wrap it up for another fun episode i hope everybody's having a great day i hope you're enjoying all the wrestling whether it's stardom wwe aw or whatever i just hope that you're enjoying wrestling as much as possible because wrestling is the sport of kings and queens. Um, folks, we can't thank you so much. We can't thank you enough for the support. It really means the world to us because, like I always say, 
just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together and everybody's different. Everybody's special. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.